Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is a happy hump day at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. CD, good morning. How are you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. The Blues with a couple of nights off last night and tonight. They'll be back in action tomorrow when Nicheville comes to town. The Nashville Predators will take on the Blues at Enterprise Center. Uh, Matthew doesn't... Uh, come on. That, isn't that the way they say it there? Nicheville. Now, now i got to say Nicheville on the, my updates today? Come on. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. Calgary, Nicheville. Any other cities Nicheville. I need to change my pronunciation for? We'll work on it. Okay, thank you. We'll yeah, work I'm on sure it. sure we got a few in there. So I, store. I, I have to say yeah. Boston. 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 Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. So uh, no sports on the air last night or tonight here on 101 ESPN. We'll be back at it what tomorrow. Is, with what is the world coming to? I know. We need more what, stuff going on. What are we doing? And if you're a KU fan, maybe you stuck around for overtime last night. Maybe you didn't, but Kansas State outscored Kansas in overtime, 11-10. to 10, And the number two Jayhawks fall by a score of 83-82 to 82 to the Wildcats. Mm, Nobody very, had to win. Somebody had to win. Yep. Very nice. Does that make uh, Mizzou fans happy when KU loses? I believe it does. Like, do they kind of jump for joy? Yeah. It's a little, little bit of excitement yeah. for them. Especially that, that, since... That, that rival, that historic rivalry that you all have. Yeah, and then them. the Jayhawks fans say, well, Kansas beat Mizzou by about 40. Yeah, so what are you happy about? Well, yeah, where's your glee? <laughs> I believe I forgot that game happened, Randy. Okay. All I know is Kansas lost last night. Quick quick quiz. Probably matters. Guys, who's the number one college basketball team in the country? Right now. Ah. Purdue? Nope. No. I haven't lost. Um, Not, mm. I hadn't either until just now. <laughs> Five Slamma Jamma. Oh, Houston. Houston. Yeah. Houston. Wow. Yeah, they beat They're Tulane by okay. 20 last night. That makes sense. That you, They lost, you know, like two, three weeks now, and there's been you know a couple of their number ones to lose in time. So it's just kind of a – the cycle always gets turned back around. That makes sense. Fourth-ranked Alabama was a winner over Vanderbilt, too. And then Tennessee beats Mississippi State 70-59. to uh, Wake Forest wins over Clemson. And one more from the uh, Big 12. Baylor over Texas Tech 81-74. Okay, there you have some scores. Let's talk some baseball, shall we? Let's do it. 
Interesting comments from Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III over the weekend at the Cardinals' winter warm-up about payroll and a lot of consternation. By the way, our text line is open for you, 314-399-9646, and you can always leave a mic drop on what you think of this. But Bill DeWitt Jr., the Cardinals' chairman, was asked about the Cardinal payroll and if the increased spending in baseball, signings of people like Justin Verlander for $43 million to... uh, 86 over two with the Mets. Xander Bogarts getting his deal. Trey Turner getting his deal. The proliferation of 280 plus million dollar contracts. Uh, if that concerns him, you know it's a competitive game, and you know we'll do our best to compete with the biggest of the spenders. So uh, we're not in a position to be uh, the biggest of the spenders. Uh, last this past season, we were 12th out of 30 teams in revenue and we were 12th out of 30 teams in payroll. So we're kind of where we are. It's not to say we can't. Opportunity presents itself that uh, we can spend some money and improve the club. Um, We'll do it. But, you know, it's hard to do. And, you know, we don't want to do something that down the road we're going to say, oh, we're stuck with this. And, you know, it would prevent us from doing at that point in time what we'd like to do. I've said for a long time, because I've had conversations with the highest levels of management with the Cardinals, that they'll never get into one of those 10-year deals because of what he just said. They don't want to get into a deal where on the back half, they're saying, whoa, what did we get ourselves into? Because almost 100% of the time, those deals don't work out. But the question is, Cardinals say they're 12th in revenue and 12th in payroll, should they spend beyond their revenue rank so that they can have a more competitive club? Well, uh, there, I, I when people say certain words, and he said it's hard to do. It's not hard to do. It's you're unwilling to do. There, there are, there are. There's a difference. If you are unwilling to do something, that, that doesn't mean it's hard. It's mm-hmm. not difficult. You know how to do it. You're, you're unwilling to do that. You're unwilling to spend more money, and so. That's a key point. That's a that's a key phrase that I think uh, you should listen to because it, it, it's it's not hard. It's just an unwillingness to do that a- in terms of not spending more than you're you're making. And and we understand that. Um, my question is: You hear twelfth in revenue and twelfth in payroll, but you don't know what those numbers are. Mm-hmm. And so, twelfth in revenue could be three hundred. 50 million, right? And and so you know what the the payroll is 150 million. And the, or the it closest, could be 250 million in revenue. You you don't know what that number is. So it's hard to say, you know, what you should be spending when you don't know what the what what you're making. Right. And what we the, the only thing that we have to go on is the work of Forbes magazine. They put a ton of man hours into their annual valuation of Major League Baseball teams. And they have not released their 2022 valuations and revenues yet, but they did estimate the Cardinals payroll in 2021, coming off of the pandemic, to be $287 million. And the Cardinals didn't add... The payroll or the revenue? uh, Of the revenue. Yeah, okay. And by the way, the payroll for uh, last year, coming off of that $287 million, was roughly $151 million. So, as they started the season... Essentially, they were spending more than 50% of their revenues on 
player payroll. And mm-hmm. that doesn't include the 400 plus employees and tra- travel and first class accommodations for players on the road and a minor league system and debt service on the stadium, which they built themselves. There's a lot of things that they spend on as well. For Peter Seidler in San Diego, it's a labor of love. For John Middleton, in the, that's the owner of the Phillies, baseball is a hobby. And the Cardinals have never said anything other than this is a business for them. It, it's a money-making business. But at the end of the day, not only do they like to have a competitive team, but they'd also like to make a profit. And I, I guess what we're talking about is how big should that profit be and if they do spend to the level that we're talking about, if they add, add a $300 million player, thirty another $30 million a year player, is that going to get them to be better than where they have been? I think you – it's a it's – a, you know, it, it's, it's a tough decision or, or, or tough for, for teams to make. I, I think the – purpose of owning a business is to make money. Mm -hmm. And I think any smart businessman or woman wants to get into a business to make money. And and if you are um, a team or an owner that is solely for the entertainment purpose, yeah, you're probably going to spend more money than you're making, but you probably have other revenue streams that you don't really worry about. That you just cover it and say, "I'm having fun. This is for the city of whatever uh, city we're in, and and we want to win championships, so we're going to spend like crazy to get that done." I understand both sides. I understand when when you are in in business, you you are there to make money, and but also I understand when you are a billionaire, you got plenty of money. So <laughs> right, right. I, I don't know. It's kind of a it's a tough um, tug pull and tug between the two because as fans, we want our Cardinals team, this organization, to win championships. But you have to look at it from a from a business perspective, and not always. From the 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 inner fan child, the inner fan part of you that wants to just win championships and not care how the money is spent. Now, at the moment, according to Spotrac, and I don't think this is completely updated, but the Mets, for example, have a payroll of two or three hundred nineteen million dollars. The Yankees are at two hundred fifty eight million. The Padres at two hundred thirty seven. The Phillies at two twenty four. And Dewitt was asked about the challenges of spending against those teams. As I said, we were twelfth in. Revenue and and that's drawing. What did we draw? Three, 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 three. I think we were second in baseball in attendance. You know, you get into the bigger markets and they have other revenue sources. Their prices are higher. That you know they generate way way more revenue, particularly the top six or seven uh, teams. And uh, but you know it's a competitive game. If we do the right things and. Uh, so far, I feel like we've done a pretty good job. Uh, we can compete with them. I'm not concerned about it. Well, they do what they do, and you know, kind of, we do what we do. So when we talk revenue, uh, and Rock and I were talking about this after the show yesterday, are we talking butts in seats, concessions, parking solely? Is that what we're talking about no. in revenue? Local, are we talking about local and national TV revenue too? So all of those things are are part of the revenue also. So. Right. How much is the, the the Cardinals? How much do they receive from the 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 Bally Sports and all of that for 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 TV? Six, wasn't it sixty like sixty from Bally Sports and like sixty from Major League Baseball? Yeah, there. So it's it, one hundred twenty million. Yeah, right now the Cardinals are in the midst of a one point one billion dollar fifteen year contract with Bally. <laughs> sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, it is. It sounds like a lot of money coming. Yeah. In. 
And by the way, the 30% owners of Bally as well. And then uh, the, the national TV revenue did go up last year. So there's, there's money coming in. And, and you were number two in attendance. And yeah. we were told... And, and by the way, we should point out, yes, the Cardinals are number two in attendance, but anybody who pays attention knows that there is a huge percentage of Cardinal, fan, uh, Cardinal tickets. If you get their emails, you know for every single game that are $5, yes. $6, $7. So that, that $40 ticket mm-hmm. in L.A. or New York or Philly is seven dollars yeah. in St. Louis? So just because you're second in attendance gotcha. doesn't mean your revenue from tickets equals what other teams are getting, even though they might draw less. Yeah, and just overall, we were talking about it. There, the St. Louis media market in 2022 is now 20 is now um, 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, Rally Durham past us is now 23rd. Uh, in baseball, that's the ranking they are. In relative baseball teams, they are they are twenty fourth in national media market in baseball, but they have the twelfth ranked revenue. I saw some people out there who were just throwing some kind of cold water on: is the twelfth in revenue number even a hundred percent honest? If you're the twenty fourth ranked market in the in the, in the nation in, in the league, I should say, even with the number two attendance. Jumping all the way up to twelve, and especially when there's a huge probably gap, like you said, between seven eight and and then that kind of drop off. Twelfth, eleventh, tenth. That doesn't seem like it's a, it's it's a ridiculous ranking for the Cardinals to be in. No, it's actually well above what similar market sizes like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, uh, Minneapolis. It, it's well above that, and there's a reason that the Cardinals make more because they've tried. They their teams do win. They don't lose. They've had a winning record every single season since 2008. Here's my question, and I know this will frustrate fans because this is. Their problem with it. If you're the Cardinals and you go out and spend 30 million, 43 million a year, let's just say that they had signed Justin Verlander to the two year, $86 million contract he got from the Mets. Mm-hmm. How they much signed more? Justin Verlander to the two year, $83 million contract that he got from the Mets. Thank you, CD. <laughs> How much are they going to make because they do? All right. Sure, it might help them win more games, it might help them win a playoff series or two or three. Mm. Maybe they win the World Series, but how much more money do they make because of that? Do they draw more fans? Do they sell more merchandise? Do they... uh, Obviously, next year, you're going to reap the benefits, but for 2023, if they had signed Justin Verlander, were they going to draw more than 3.3? Probably not. They weren't going to get any more money because the TV ratings were any higher. But but if you if you sign Justin Verlander and you have a hundred plus win team, do those seven dollar tickets now become twelve dollar tickets? And, not, and, and, and next now, year they might. Yeah. And now you are you know making up some of that money that you may may be missing out on. We got a text here that said, uh, "Until an owner opens the books, we will never know how De- Dewitt is quote unquote barely surviving." Which I don't think he's ever actually no. uh, said that phrase before. And also, the, the quote unquote part's weird. But overall, we have two books to kind of go off of. That's what we have. We have the the, the Blue Jays, and you have the Braves. The Braves are the number seven market in the nation in Atlanta. Dewitt said seven is where the drop off is. They're about that probably in baseball, and we know for a fact they made just over five hundred million in all of their revenue in twenty twenty two. We know that because their books are open. The Toronto Blue Jays, on the other hand, I know it's Can- Canadian baseball, but they're a huge city. 
much bigger market overall than St. Louis is, and they made just over three hundred million in twenty twenty two. So it's not that ridiculous to say that the Cardinals are probably making you know hand over fist anywhere close to what the Braves are making. I think would be ridiculous. I think we can probably guess it's it's around that Forbes number of uh, you know just over three hundred million. So the question of the day is. How do you feel about that reasoning that the Cardinals are 12th in uh, revenue and 12th in payroll? And do you believe that this payroll should be higher despite what he says about the business? I think it should be higher because we were told it would be higher. And that's and then I know John Mose like said that and I know that that maybe that's the you know the 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 tug between both sides as to why Mose, Mo doesn't have a new contract. I don't know that to be sure, but I know we were told that the payroll should go up. And if you're told that, Randy, I told you it's like telling a kid, hey, we're going to Disney World on Friday, and then he gets there Friday, and you say, ah, hey, you know what? Disney World was a little bit more expensive than I thought. We're just gonna go to Six Flags, and you're like, no, I don't want to go to Six Flags. I, I want to go to Disney World, and so. You know, that's the, the, the mindset that was put out there was the payroll payroll would increase. So when Wilson Contreras got signed, we were like, oh, OK, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then you thinking you're thinking, oh, we're going to get someone else. Maybe it, it will be a Cody Bellinger. Maybe it will be. And maybe they tried to get him and couldn't. But there were a lot of shortstops out there. And I know oh, we're comfortable with shortstop. But if you can get Trey Turner you're going to move Tommy Edmond to second base and you'll be more comfortable in that situation. So. And by the way, they did talk about, well, if the shortstop market comes back to us, then we might get involved. It did. There was a guy that got that had failed two physicals. You could have got him for much cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came right back to you, Randy. I, I don't think that that's necessarily... $150 million yeah, less. $250 million less than what he was offered yeah. to begin with. I just... <laughs> that, that right there is not in the Cardinals' uh, DNA. Just saying, it did come it, back. It, 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 it did, yeah, for two hundred million. That's a good point. But they they didn't have the foresight to recognize that the contracts were going to be ridiculous. Carlos Rodon with that contract with the Yankees, they might wind up working for them for two years, but the last five are going to suck. Yeah. I mean, the guy can't stay healthy. Verlander, two years, eighty six. That's not a bad deal because. You're out from under it after two years. Uh, the, the DeGrom contract, Cardinals couldn't go there. De, DeGrom's not going to last for five full years in Texas, and the Cardinals are looking at that. They want to get bang for their buck for most of, if not all, of a contract. So could you see the Cardinals resetting? I know these 13-year, 10, 10 double-digit year contracts are the thing now. Could it possibly be with what Correa went through that teams start looking at a six-year, seven-year type of deal where – you're not dealing with a player late into his 30s and, and and not knowing what he's going to be at that time. I think the Cardinals would love to do that, but the teams that they're competing against are going to continue to give out the 10 and 11 and 12 and 13-year contracts. The only way the Cardinals make this work is we've talked a lot about Jordan Walker. If he winds up being a star, you, he's 20, 21, I guess. You sign him when he's 23 to the 13-year contract and keep him in-house rather than trying to go outside yeah. and sign a 27-year-old to a 13-year contract yeah. who's going to be 40 at the end of it. I agree. That's CD. I'm Randy. And we do want your mic drops. We're going to play mic drops from you at 8 and 9 o'clock. But next up, it is hump day, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. If you like to use your letters on your phone, that's 314-399-YO-HO! 
Ask Uncle Randy next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. All right, it's time for Ask Uncle Randy here. Get your text in to the Air Comfort, Serv- Comfort Service text line 6, uh, 314-399-9646. CD is chuckling. I'm reading one of the the Dear Uncle Randy's, and I hope Brock reads this one. I will. I'm ready. I'll, I'll, I'll read yes. it here. Don't worry. I, I know what no. it is. <laughs> I'm going okay. to read another, another one first, though. <laughs> Uncle Randy, <laughs> I'm trying to arrange a boys' weekend golf outing for the summer. I need to find a course somewhere centralized between Chicago, St. Louis, and in Indianapolis. Any recommendations? Chicago, St. Louis, and Indy. Well, if you could get everybody to Chicago, there's a ton of good courses up there. Uh, in between, so you're basically talking about... Southern Illinois. Springfield? You know, yeah, you could do like the rail in Springfield or, uh, you know, th- that, that's a, a, a really nice course. I think that's worth a look. Uh, you know, if you could get the folks to go here, you're only, what, five hours from Chicago, three hours from Indy. If you want to get the guys together, go to Ann Breyer over here in Waterloo, Illinois. Uh, I'm trying to think of that triangle. I need to. I always tell you that the I, I'm glad that the fight isn't about uh, geography. Uh, <laughs> right? It's a it's a good thing. So I'm I'm just trying to think of, uh, and I understand that it is. I mean, trying. Champagne is there? Is there? Is there a golf? Is there a golf have course a country in your, club in Champagne? I mean, is, I've never played on it. I we used to eat dinner there yeah. uh, every Friday. There's, yeah, that's really pretty games. much the, the only really triangulated area. Yeah, I go to Chicago. Okay. Chicago I, is beautiful in the summertime. I know if, yeah. if you're trying, I know it you is. want to find somewhere for everyone to get to. But I, if if you're all coming from different places, just go to Chicago. Yep, and you can't go wrong with the, the rail in Springfield. There's some really nice courses in Springfield, so take a look there. But I am with you, Kerry, because if, you, if it's going to be a weekend trip and you want to get to restaurants and stuff yeah. like that, uh, I, I would be inclined to take a look at Chicago and uh, some of the really good courses there. Uh, Ridgemore, you've got uh, obviously if you can get a buddy that can get you on at some of the really nice courses like Medina or something like that, that'd be great. But there's some really nice uh, courses in that area. Chicago Highlands is good. So yeah, I, I would say if you can get everybody to Chicago, great. If not, then uh, make your way to Springfield. That's the nice central location for everybody. All right. Uh, dear Uncle Randy and Cousin Carrie, I'm a big blues fan and have season tickets. I love bringing my significant other, uh, who's a certain producer at ESPN, to games, but he is 371 when I take him, and they are undefeated when I haven't. Do I stop taking him this season, or how do I have him break his bad luck streak? Well, Texter, I, I think that depends on how badly you really want the blues to win. <laughs> He's struggling. I, I think... You know, the three games, two of which I believe came early in the season on the two-game winning streak, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. One of them did. I had to go back through the schedule. Just one, one of them, them did. Yeah. I think it really depends on your love and and uh, just just your your infatuation with the St. Louis Blues. And, and if this producer, who I think is an awesome man with a great head of hair, is not bringing T-Bone this T-Bone doesn't blues. have that great of hair. <laughs> or T-Bone, yeah. yeah. 
if he's not uh, bringing the blues wins, you may have to, I don't know, bring some sage, have him spin around in a circle prior to walking into the doors, and then uh, maybe we'll try that out next time. I am as superstitious as anybody. <laughs> I am too. You're welcome for the Super Bowl 34 championship. You're welcome for the blues winning the Stanley Cup in 2019. That being said, there are certain things that even superstition can't overtake. And one of those is not having a number one defenseman and yeah. having your best guys <laughs> yeah. hurt. I so I, I would suggest <laughs> that if you get the team back and you're taking them to the game, and I mean talking about a quality team that you expect to win, and he's coming along and they're losing, then you dump him. <laughs> but if, if, if he's coming with you, and it's just not a very good team, I would say stick with them for a while. Well, Randy, let me look at the schedule because I think they have a game versus the Blackhawks coming up They do, soon. right? At the so end of the homestand. Would that be Saturday? Is that is that Saturday that the game yeah, against pad, the Blackhawks? Yeah, pad the record. So, the, yes. <laughs> you get it going in the right You got to you, you get it going you in the right direction. You got to be strategic about the, the you, games I pick. <laughs> you got to okay. pick the games where we is. feel as though there's going to be a W. January 21st, Saturday, I think this producer with a great set of head of hair would love to go to that game and and get his winning streak going in the correct direction. Okay, good. The good, the very good, interesting question. Uh, Uncle Randy, I've got Battlehawk season tickets, but that means I'm abandoning the wife and two young kids pretty much all day, five times coming up, tailgating and all. What would be a good way for a kind of poor guy who could pay back the wife for letting him go off the leash a few times? Well, first of all, that's nice that she is letting you off the leash, and it's only five times, but I would say, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing for me, if you need to get together or want to get together for a girls' night out and it doesn't interfere with the Battlehawks games, I'm more than happy to watch the kids because you've made that sacrifice for me and I'm willing to make a sacrifice for you. Is there a way to get said wife and kids to a tailgate and a game? I think that'd be really fun. That, I mean, you got five of them that you're going to. Maybe take them to one. And plenty Ooh. of good seats are available. There you go. Yeah. XFL.com slash tickets. That's a pretty good one. Um, hey, Uncle Randy, I'll be celebrating my 25th wedding anniversary this year, but I'm stuck on what to do. Any idea? Carries Go Hawks circa 96. Hey, Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Class up. I don't okay, so that. 25th anniversary <laughs> is a big one. I, depending on, well, not even depending on the time of year, I would, uh, I would schedule a romantic trip wherever your favorite destination might be. I, I would, and if you want to make it a surprise, great. If she doesn't like surprises, I know that, uh, then uh, don't make it a surprise. But yeah, 25th is a big enough anniversary to uh, to schedule a trip. One time on an anniversary, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, I scheduled a surprise trip to San Francisco, and I picked up Joan as she was coming out of her office on a Friday night. Okay. And uh, said, uh, "Hey, we're going. Uh, uh, we're going to the airport." Didn't even tell her where we were going, and we hopped on the plane and uh, took her to San Francisco for the weekend. And she still still tells the story. I, I don't think any guy pays attention to the makeup that their significant other uses, right? So I just loaded every piece of makeup. She still jokes about all these samples that she's never even touched or opened. I just threw it all in the suitcase, everything. And then she was really happy about this. I loaded in a bunch of clothes that didn't match. So she got to buy all new clothes on the trip to San Francisco, too. But yeah, it's, uh, a surprise trip is fun if your significant other is open to surprises. That makes sense. Dear Uncle Randy, my only daughter is getting married in March. I'm kind of old school, but I don't have a lot of money. Her future father-in-law is loaded and gave his son a big check, which pays for a lot of it. I've given a little bit so far. 
and they just have about everything, but I feel guilty. Should I feel guilty? No, don't feel guilty. You're doing everything that you can. And because your future son-in-law has the wherewithal and his father have mm-hmm. the wherewithal to do this and you don't know, that that's a good thing. And that's what families do is uh, his family is taking care of it. If you don't have the wherewithal to do it, don't feel bad that somebody else does. Just take advantage of their largesse. Yeah, I think we... Uh we tend to let our pride get in the way mm-hmm. at times. And I think in this moment, just say, you know, be appreciative for, yeah. for what someone else is, is helping you with or, or helping your, your daughter with. I think that would be the best way to go about it. Just thank you. I appreciate yeah. you all. And let them know you really genuinely are appreciative. And for then to thank them, just have have his parents over for dinner. Do something that is affordable, yeah. but is something that is that you do you and your bride do yourselves like make them dinner Mm -hmm. a really nice dinner so that uh, you can show your appreciation that's it that's the only one that's it we're done I thought we had one more yeah we got one more okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Manny my girlfriend wants to do an OnlyFans to pay for her online college classes try to let her do it or object and cause problems in the relationship it would cause problems in the relationship if he objects yeah Okay, so uh, like if if you go across the river, mm-hmm. there are a lot of young ladies putting themselves through college. There right? are, and there were, well, a lot of men helping young oh, yeah, ladies yeah, go yeah, get right. through college, which yeah. is essentially what, uh, for, as far as I know, I don't. I'm not <laughs> a member, and you have to log in. You have to. I, I'm on this OnlyFans site. You have to log in, and you have to have a sign up and everything. But apparently, that's what OnlyFans is. Correct is an ability without. The physical connection, exactly. which she's doing with online classes anyway. There you go. Apparently, she's spending her life with you. <laughs> so I, I would say, yeah, this is cool. The only problem is, depending on how far she goes with the OnlyFans, remind her that the internet lasts forever. It does. All right. And so if you do wind up getting married and you do wind up having children, 10, 12 years down the road, children can do a search for mommy's name. They can. And find out that, oh, huh. Really? Mom. What was going on Surprise. here? Yeah. This is the same This is the same texter from last week who had the issue with his girlfriend who takes too many selfies. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. That escalated in <laughs> a week. Yeah, it did. So, uh, yeah, I, I would suggest that if, if you're not going to be bothered by it, and it sounds like you are, uh, that, uh, it, but if you're not going to be bothered by it, go for it because it's a different age. There's a lot of people on OnlyFans putting themselves through school. And, so yeah, take advantage of it. And the financial benefits for those that are struggling at times, I think that you know it can be rewarding. There are true financial benefits, and and from what I've heard, mm-hmm. that you can make yeah p- pretty decent money uh, on this website. Now let's make one other point here. My understanding would be that with OnlyFans, you need to have fans. Yeah. Be self-aware enough (laughs) that the ego doesn't take the hit because you don't have any fans. All right? Young ladies, if you want to put yourself through school, you go across the river. Doesn't matter. Randy. You you are on the interwebs expecting people to pay. You better bring something to the party. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I got one more because this is a good one that we just got. Uh, I have currently been working at my place of employment going on six years now. I've helped the business grow immensely in six years, and currently they are wa- they, they are wanting me to fill out for a management position. What is the proper way to advocate for myself that I deserve a considerable raise if I pursue said management position? I would 
suggest, depending on if you're a salesperson, say, hey, I have a reasonable. Uh, does he say what his current job is? He does, does not. He does not. He um, I would suggest that if you are in a position, whatever it was that you did to help the franchise grow, point out to them that if you stay around for another six years, your income is going to go up significantly because of what you do. And for that reason, you would like to have assurances that you're able to maintain the ascent of your income if you do move into a management position. And by the way, tell them you really appreciate it. You appreciate the offer, but you want to be assured that your management position is monetized. Okay, that's good. That's that's a good question. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. And thanks for all of your texts. We do appreciate it. Coming up next, have we seen the last game from Tom Brady in the NFL? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Tom Brady looked out of sorts in the home loss to the Dallas Cowboys that knocked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of the playoffs the other day. He says that he's going to take some time before deciding on his future in the NFL. I would think, Kerry, that uh, with the year that he had, he was top 10 in passing yards. He had 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He was still an effective quarterback despite the offensive line being a disaster area in Tampa and losing Evans for a time and Godwin for a time and not having Rob Gronkowski. As he heads into free agency, I would be somewhat surprised if Tom Brady did not play in 2023. Well, I, I would. I, I'm watching that game versus the Cowboys and, you know, Tom Brady, we love him. He's done a, a, a has had a fantastic career, but he looks he look he looks like an older man playing he football does. at this point. He's his inability to move, his inability to protect himself, and I think those are the things that you can you you begin to worry about as a player gets older, whether or not they can protect him. He's not going to take a sack. He's going to throw the ball into the ground when they get close to him, but he can't move. He's never been you know, really agile and able to scramble and get out of the pockets. His his most of his time most of the times when he escapes, it's up the middle. And if you're getting pressure up the middle, you're forcing him to not be able to move at all. And if guys aren't getting open, it's gonna be trouble for him. That's a problem for me watching that aspect of his game. But here's another issue, Randy. Let me give you since week four, these are the pass attempts that he's had from week four on. 52, mm-hmm. 52, 40, 49, 44, 58. 29, 43, 54, 55, 44, 48, 45, 17 against the the Falcons in the in the season finale, and then 66 pass attempts against the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. You're throwing the ball 45 to 50 times a game. That is ridiculous for a 45 year old man, let alone a young mm-hmm. man with the with the the arm talent and the ability to do all of those things. They maybe Tampa ran him into the ground this year with all of these pass attempts, knowing that he cannot protect himself, and and the, just throwing the ball that many times, not having a run game that can sustain your ability to play and stay healthy. That's that's absurd. I would think that if he would land, and it was suggested yesterday by Pro Football Talk, that maybe he and Sean Payton would team up in Carolina. Sean Payton has the creativity and the 
ability to build an offensive line in a running game that might protect a guy like Brady like it did for Drew Brees for many years down the stretch of his career. Or, and I don't think this would be the best spot for him, but if he has a tight end like Waller and a pair of receivers like Adams and Renfro and running back like Josh Jacobs, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders need to do a better job of building their offensive line, but that might be a better spot for him as well. I would think that the NFC South would be a much better division for him staying there rather than moving on to the AFC West where you're going to be dealing with the Spags defense. You're going to be dealing with uh, the Chargers and, and they have all that talent defensively with Mack and uh, Joey Bosa and, yeah. and those guys. I If I were in Brady's shoes and I wanted to win by the end, if I had Peyton in Carolina, I would go there. I, I would. I, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad bad fit for him. He's. I just don't know if he can, if physically he's going to be able to continue to do that. At, at the level that he's accustomed to doing it. And and then there are a few things. Here's here's one thing I will tell you, Randy. If you continue to watch Tom Brady do some of the things that he's done, I showed you the slide mm-hmm. tackle that he yeah. attempted to make Dirty. when he uh tried to catch the pass versus um in in in, in London, he tripped the the DB mm-hmm. when he caught the interception. When the when they had the phantom uh roughing the passer, he need I think Grady Jarrett on his way up. Randy, if you're doing that and you can't protect yourself, someone's going to harm you. Someone is going mm-hmm. to take true offense to you doing little things. It's almost it becomes like a Grayson Allen uh, when he was in college or even now. You, you start to see little things and someone this is a violent sport and you are considered the goat. But there is somebody that is going to be extremely upset because you do little things like that. And if you can't protect yourself, you're going to be in a world of trouble. I want to go back to what you said at the top. He looks like an old man. Yeah. And I hope that he feels like an old man and says, you know what? <laughs> I wanted to play until I was 50, but I he looks miserable this year. Yes. Like the 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 accuracy, he's skipping passes. Mm-hmm. If they aren't open, I think he had the shortest time of of, of in the pocket because his, from catch to release. 30th in the NFL in yards per attempt. Yes, because he's getting the ball out right now, short passes, not allowing. He can't let things develop downfield because he can't move in the pocket. If someone gets free, he's going to get sacked or he's going to ground the ball into the ground. And it's just troubling to watch. I would have never thought with the business ventures that he was, and I know we all know how much he loves to compete and how much he loves the sport. But I would have thought that his transition would have been okay because of the business ventures, TB12 and all of that stuff. This transition is not going to be pretty. It's going to be Farvesque. Wasn't it money on the table for him to do some some announcing of some games? Had he decided to seventy-five million? Had he decided to walk away last season? That money's not there now. I'm sure the money has changed. I don't know if it's gone up, but I'm sure it has changed. And you, you, I mean, you really, you, you lost. This is my thing, right? You lost your entire entire family for mm-hmm. this. Like yeah, you, right, right. You, yeah. For this, yep. like you you got to be crazy. And, and maybe there were outside factors and other things, you know, associated. Maybe it was more than I'm just going to play football. Maybe maybe there was more to it than that. But if that's why you uh, uh, got divorced and all because you wanted to play another season that resulted in what I watched this season from you. Come on, man. By the way, our buddy Joe Buck, who did the game and obviously did production meetings with him, he thinks Brady's going to play. Uh, he, he, I'm sure That's he the wants vibe to. He got. I, I'm sure he wants to. I don't know how his body is going to withstand all of that. Somebody's going to get a hold on one of these plays, and it's yeah. going to be. I, I hate to say it because you hate to see it, but 
especially when you're trying to trip people and do mm. little things like that because you're you're an older gentleman and not athletic, never been athletic, and you're even less athletic now than you were when you started 20 years ago. Yeah, somebody's going to get a hold of you. And, and if you're in that AFC West, I don't think Derwin James cares that you no. are considered the GOAT. He's going to try to put you down. So I think he's back. I think we see him again. You think? I think he should I think he should retire, but I agree. I think he'll be back. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. <laughs> Come on, Randy. <laughs> 314-399-9646-314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text in now to the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Kerry, New York Giants fans love to rip their former general manager, Dave Gettleman, who acquired 11 of the 22 starters that played against Minnesota on Sunday, including starting left tackle Andrew Thomas, starting quarterback Daniel Jones, starting running back Saquon Barkley. He also acquired defensive end Aziz Ojolari in the second round in 2021, drafted Dexter Lawrence with the number one pick in 2019, traded for Leonard Williams from the Jets. Take it or leave it, Giants fans should be thanking Dave Gettleman rather than ripping him. Uh, I'll take it. I mean, you are in a position that you're in right now, obviously because of some of the choices that he made, both good and bad. Um, but I'll, I'll take it. You, the only, you, I think the only really bad draft choice he made was when he took Kadarius Tony. Yeah, but was that a bad choice? Because Kadarius Tony is is extremely athletic and extremely yeah. gifted. Just didn't work out there for him and them. Uh, we're we're kind of on the same page with our take it or leave it because I was going with the New York Giants as well in their game this weekend versus Philadelphia, a rivalry. Uh, a team, a division rival that they've played twice th- twice this year. Philadelphia has beaten them both times. Take it or leave it, New York goes into Philadelphia and gets the win. Kerry, I would like to say I'll take it, but I think Philadelphia is just legitimately really that good. I think all due respect to San Francisco and Dallas. I think they're the class of the NFC. I really do. I thought that I think maybe because we've been a few weeks removed from Jalen Hurts' injury that we don't we don't think of them because he was an MVP candidate until he went down. Um, right now, I think San Francisco is the class of the NFC, and, and I would see them against anyone. But I do agree with you. Philadelphia has been playing well. I just need to see if Jalen Hurts is back to his regular season form before he got the before he got injured. My the reason for for my thought process is. Number one, they can get after the quarterback. Their mm-hmm. their pass rush is Philly's pass rush is terrific. Jalen Hurts is so elusive that as great as the pass rush for San Francisco is, I think he can get away from it. And I don't know how you cover Goddard, Devontae Smith, and AJ Brown, all three of them. It's gonna be tough. And the running game with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders out of yeah. the backfield. That's that's a double win. And then <laughs> uh, number fourteen, who they put in the game when they're down by the goal line. I forgot his name, but I had him on my fantasy team for a week. Oh, you know the uh, running back number fourteen. I'm thinking of right. Mile, no, gla- ah, yes, I do. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell. Yeah, Gainwell. Yep. There you yep. go. 
All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Brock Purdy will win the Super Bowl MVP and still not be a starter at the beginning of next season. You got to leave that. I'm going to leave it. If he wins the <laughs> Super Bowl, he's going to. If he if they get to the Super Bowl, he's their starter. At the you're not going to start Trey Lance over him. No, and, and they're Jimmy bringing G's Jimmy G on. Yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Ryan O'Reilly will be traded, but Vladimir Tarasenko will not. That's a good one, and I'm going to take it. And I'm going to say that the reason Vladdy isn't is because he invokes the no-trade clause. And I, I just think with, when he, with the kind of, with just the way that Ryan O'Reilly brought his game up in the playoffs last year and the, the fact that at any moment, if he's right, he can shut down another team's top center. Yep. There are a lot of teams who are going to want that possibility, as opposed potentially to a scorer who isn't scoring very much. Absolutely, it's, it's just a very different way that the winning teams will come after your players. So yeah, I, I'm I'm absolutely going to take that one. I think that's I think that's really good. Take it or leave it. The Missouri Tigers win tonight by double digits. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Who do they play tonight? Uh, Razorbacks. Arkansas. Yeah. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave it too. Um, let's see what, ranked. Let's see what Vegas. They are ranked 25th. Uh, Vegas says Mizzou uh, is favored by two. What is Mizzou ranked? Mizzou is unranked. You you walked me right into that one. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I was just asking. They were ranked last week, weren't they? Oh my god. Uh, take it or leave it. The Blues are better <laughs> off missing the playoffs and getting that draft pick than making a couple midseason trades and trying to be cup contenders. I I'm never a fan of. I, I, for me, as a, especially as a former player. You got to get to the dance. You got to get to the playoffs, the tournament, because anything can happen. I mean, anything. You never know. People get injured. Opposing players get injured. You get hot. You get on a heat heat streak, and and anything is possible. So I'm never going to say, uh, you know, tank and and don't try to win or, or don't try to make it to the playoffs because you don't know how many years you have left in this game. And so you want to win a championship every single year. You want to win your last game. Of the playoffs every single year. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to leave that. I agree 100%. I'll take it. All right, take it or leave it. Pablo, can, can, can we do a uh, anything can happen? Sure, go for it. Giants finished 9-7. and seven. New York Giants in 2011 won the Super Bowl. There you go. You never know. You never know. I, I would argue that Tony LaRusso's two worst playoff teams in St. Louis were in 06 and 11 when what they won the World Series. Oh, yeah. Pretty good years, huh? You never know. Finished well. What's the best team uh, other than 04? For the Tony had? Yeah. Probably 02. Okay. Although 05 went up a, a hundred, 100 games also. 04 and 05 were both great. Man, 13 was fun. I know that wasn't really but I was just yeah. thinking about, I'm just thinking about past Carlton when they were hitting everything, when they were hitting every, uh, from 400 with guys in, in scoring position. And, and 15 like when they won 100 God. games. Kind of pitched lights out. I guess I can understand why some people get get uh, kind of angry about uh, making the playoffs every year. Yeah, get tired of it. I can't believe so. I, I can I can see why they're getting bothered by it, Randy. We only have you know six or seven teams in the last twenty years to really look back on with real fondness. That's not rare in the city or anything. Here's the uh, thing, though. It's it's only a six hour drive to Cincinnati if you want to be a Reds fan. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, you can hang out with Mister Wood out there, then I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Eagles are still your favorite to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just said that, so I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it to the, your favorite in not just the NFC and in, in the NFL. No, I think the Chiefs are the class okay. of the league. Yeah. All right, well, take it, it or leave it. Pablo Lopez is a Cardinal by August 1st of 2023. Yeah, I'll take it just for fun. Derek Gould's been reporting that for a long time that the Cardinals have interest in Pablo Lopez. He seems to be one of those guys that is the apple of their eye. 
And we're going to talk to uh, a reporter out of Miami about the Pablo Lopez buddy, deal Craig tomorrow, Mish, Craig yeah. Mish. Uh, so tune into that on the, on the opening drive as we try to you know cover yeah. that one. No Greg Amsinger tomorrow. Oh, oh sad. Oh. But, but a full hour of Greg Amsinger yeah. Am- 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 in studio on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to slow play this, Randy? Come on now. Good right. morning, Randy. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, uh, a few of your mic drops and texts about the Cardinals and their finances. They're 12th, according to Bill DeWitt, in payroll and revenue. Should they exceed their revenue and develop a higher ranking in the payroll department? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Well, their models are not actually that different than ours. I mean, we have a piece of... uh, of our network, but um, it comes out like a little bigger piece, maybe. But but they, they sort of um, uh, the, the Cubs did their deal more recently, and the Yankees have been in yes for a long time. So it, you know it's just a slightly different model, but but you know big picture they look not not too dissimilar. That is Cardinal President Bill DeWitt the third talking about TV networks. The Cardinals owning a part of Valley Sports Midwest. The Cubs owning a big part of Marquee in Chicago, along with Sinclair, the same co-owner as the Cardinals have here in St. Louis. And then the Yes Network, which was started as a joint venture between the Yankees and the Nets. And now they have multiple other owners, but the Yankees do generate tons of income. And the Cubs and Yankees, the way TV works is the more available eyes that you have, the more money you're going to get. And so market size is how you make your money in television. That's why the NFL wanted so badly to be in Los Angeles, because there are so many potential viewers there. And you've got 2.8 million potential viewers in St. Louis, and you've got 10 million potential viewers in Chicago. Well, when you talk about market size and, and viewers and eyeballs watching games, can't you expand that that market because there are so, plenty of of St. Louis fans that are not just local in St. Louis or, or Southern Illinois. I mean, there there are St. Louis fans. It's, it's a vast majority of St. Louis fans throughout the country. So how do you how do you expand that so that you can get more viewers uh, uh, to to pay attention to watch? You need to get rid of restrictions, and that's another thing Bill DeWitt talked about this weekend is how stupid and antiquated baseball's restrictions are for viewership. For example, fans in Iowa are blacked out of the Cardinals, Cubs, White Sox. It's ridiculous. It's really stupid. And that's that's one of the things that baseball needs to do. And that will, it'll enhance the Cardinal viewership, but it won't enhance their ability to sell locally because they're going to be selling to the gateway Honda dealers. They're going to be selling to, uh, well, Jack in the Box was here on a bigger level, but Jack in the Box is a big sponsor. Mm-hmm. So it's local entities that are going to be buying for local viewers. Right. So that that's how I think that's going to work. Let's get some mic drops. Let's get Aaron on 101 ESPN. I think DeWitt hasn't been 100% honest. You draw 3 million to 3.5 million people a year at your establishment and then you make ballpark village and all that to try to bring in more money 
it's time to step up and be a powerhouse. You're, what, 13th or 17th in payroll? No, not good enough. Need to uh, bring in a little bit more firepower. All your pitchers are three, fours, and fives. Jack and Matt's could get hurt real easy. It's time to step up and get you a number one or two. And, and he's a, he's the bottom line of what we're talking about. Should the Cardinals be in a position where they have 400 employees? Should they get in a position where if they want to break even, their payroll is so high mm-hmm. that they lay off a couple of hundred St. Louisans? They have 400 employees there. Would it be better for the Cardinals to have a higher payroll and fewer people that they're taking care of? Or would it be better for them to continue the way that they've been going? I, I, I don't think they should lay off 100 people, uh, hardworking people that help run, you know, do the things that everyone else mm-hmm. doesn't know about to help that organization be what it is. Uh, I, I do think that there has to be some way somehow. And, and again, it, it's going to take some maybe maybe not making a hundred million I don't know what the number is that, that you know in profit I don't know what that number is I don't know if it's a hundred million a year that you're making I don't know if it's 80 million I don't know if you're losing money but if you're if you're making money and let's just say the number is you're making 50 million dollars a year well if you made 30 million is that is that a, a huge difference mm-hmm. it, it, in the grand scheme of things I'm sure there are other business ventures and and in revenue streams that are coming into the to the DeWitt family I, I don't I don't like to count other people's money because I don't want anybody mm-hmm. counting my money but you are in a position that you're in the you're in a you're in a performance business like people want to see the product that you have show up every single day and perform at a high level and win championships that's what this organization is based off of. It's not based off of just making it. I mean, we have the second most World Series in, in, in Major League Baseball history. Is it hard, though, to win a pro sports championship? Is it difficult? It's extremely difficult. It, it, it's it's hard as hell Yankees to win. Yankees haven't won since 2000. They haven't been it, it, in a World Series since 2000. It is extremely hard to win a championship. But I think the good teams find themselves in a position to be in the playoffs year in and year out. They have a core group of guys. It, it, it generally, you know, that core group of guys that have been together for two, three, four years that finally push their way through to win a championship. And then they have a, a, a four or five years, you know, in that range, in that range where they still are, are championship in championship contention. And it's not all going to be all the same guys, but that core nucleus is going to be the same. So you're talking about the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah essentially, yeah. But I, I think if you are a fan, you have felt for a while that there is one last miss. There there are maybe a few missing pieces. And maybe it's the the ace that you don't want to spend the money mm-hmm. on. Maybe it's the, the big bat that you don't want to spend the money on. It's that component. Because if you look at what, what you had last season, you had, you had it, it felt like everything was right in place. You had a two- MVP candidates. They hadn't won it yet, but they were both MVP candidates. But you still felt like there was a a bat missing. You had mm-hmm. Albert. He did all of the spectacular things, but there was still one bat that was missing from that lineup. And how do you? That's the that's the key component. 
that you needed for that team, in my opinion. We're going to have more of your mic drops in the 8 o'clock hour. Let's get to Randy, though, who is kind enough to spend some time mic dropping us here at 101 ESPN. For me, the frustrating part of the this is the business line is that they don't always treat it like a business. If you were going to treat this like a true business, Jack Flaherty would have been traded. You'd have a prospect and you'd have signed a reliable pitcher in Quintana for the next two years. You get a prospect back and you get a pitcher that you know is going to be there. There's no good scenario for Flaherty. Either he's maybe he's good this year and then he walks or he's not good and he gets hurt and he walks. If he gets hurt, he leaves you in the same position you've been in the last three years, scrambling for a starting pitcher. I would disagree. Really? Number one, what is the is Jack Flaherty more valuable trading a guy who's been hurt for the better part of three years? Do you, are you better off taking your chances and rolling the dice with Jack Flaherty or getting a mid-level prospect for him? Because if you're another team, what's his market value? Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't been there for three years. I would argue Randy's point that Jose Quintana is a front-of-the-rotation guy. He was great with the Cardinals last year, down the stretch. He wound up last year 6-7 and seven with a 2.93. The year before that, he was 0-3 with a 6.43. In 2020, he uh, didn't have a decision with a 4.5 ERA. 2019, had a 4.6 ERA with the Cubs. 2018, had a 4.03 with the Cubs. It... Uh, Jose Quintana was great for the Cardinals. I think he would have been a very nice complimentary piece for this Cardinal team. But at his very best, compared to Jack Flaherty's very best, Jose Quintana doesn't get a whiff of the greatness of Jack Flaherty. He just doesn't have that sort of ability. I I don't disagree with that, but I think what, what Randy was saying is if Jack Flaherty has the best year of all years, he won't be in a Cardinal uniform next year. And if he has the worst year of all years, he won't be in a Cardinal uniform. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, if you're if you're getting Jack Flaherty for the years past this one, he's gonna have to be mediocre. Is that is it? Does that well, help this team win baseball games? I mean, maybe it do, helps do you, you win. Do you think Houston was okay with having Justin Verlander on their team last year? Yeah, yeah. That's it, it what, helps you that's what for, a number one for, starter does. for I, you. I agree for that year, but if you don't have all of the other pieces in place. And, and I don't know that they do. I don't know if this team is a championship-caliber team with a Jack Flaherty winning a Cy Young Award. I think they are. You think they are? Yeah, if you have if you have a number one, number one, you yeah, you, you're right there. Well, I, I, Especially I, with the, the other talent that the Cardinals have. That, but then that kind of goes against what we were saying. If you don't win it, now you're going to lose that ace, and you're not going to have anything to, to replace that for the years to come. You're going to be in a situation where – you missed that championship window because you were not able to keep that core, that nucleus together. But if you... Uh, I, and it's, I, a, it's a fine line. It, it, it's, it is, it's because a, I think if you get rid of them, you're talking about doing rebuilding. what people are complaining yeah. about all the time yeah. anyway, not winning yeah. championships. Yeah. So, it, it, and you never know. Right. Is Gordon Graceffo going to turn into that guy with the Jack Flaherty-type ability? That's the thing. Guys, Those the stars have to be stars. And and that's the only way you be you be, you become a championship team is when stars become stars. When Arenado and Goldie are, are doing their thing, when when Wilson Contreras is doing mm-hmm. his thing at an all-star level, when Jack Flaherty is pitching at a, at a Cy Young all-star level, that's when you have a chance to be a championship team. When you have guys that falter or, or struggle – when it's when the lights are the biggest, you're not going to win. Many, you're not going to win. That's just how it goes. More mic drops coming up at nine. Next up, though, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Hall of Famer Bernie Federko, who's next on 101 ESPN. You're-
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Randy Carricker, we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Hall of Famer Bernie Federko is standing by. Good morning, Bernie. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Randy. How did you enjoy the Hall of Fame ceremony on Friday night? Oh, it was a lot of fun uh, just to be around the guys again and uh, see some old friends and this and that. And, so, you know, it was a huge honor, and it uh, was a very, very wonderful, exciting weekend. And what a, a remarkable history this franchise has, and you have been a part of it for... Heck, uh, 50 years, 47 years, is it? And you look at that group of people up on stage. First of all, it's amazing that the Blues didn't win a Stanley Cup until 2019. But even though they didn't, what a great history the franchise has. Yeah, it does, Randy. And I think that's, uh, you know, when you look at the Cardinals history, I mean, I don't know if we can compare ourselves to that, but uh, they've done some great things, have some great players. But yeah, there's been a lot of really good players that have come through the organization. Uh, There's been a lot of success. Obviously, only the one Stanley Cup, but uh, that uh, is is still uh, it shows how hard it is to to win a Stanley Cup. But uh, uh, it is it's, uh, just when you look at all the different ownership groups and then all the different players, and you know it, it's it's a game where like every other game is that you've got to have the right people together at the right time to win it all. And uh, thankfully, it was done in 2019, and hopefully, it can be done again many times in the in the future history of the Blues. Hey, Bernie, Randy, and I were talking about you know the Hall of Fame celebration for you all, and I mentioned how awesome I thought those jackets were. Can you explain what the interior of that jacket looks like? Uh, I know each one was different. What did yours look like? Well, I've got a bunch of different uh, uh, photos of, of me when I played, uh, whether it be uh, just uh, some action shots and, and uh, uh, you know, just some headshots of this and that. So it was really, it was a really nice surprise uh, that uh, every one of them uh, has something different, have, has different pictures of you uh, from from the time you played. So it was a great idea by whoever came up with it, and it's uh, it's pretty. Uh, beautiful jackets that they, that they made us. Yeah, I was looking at I, I had never seen a design like that. I thought that was really cool. And I thought as a as a former player, you know, you get a lot of things, but something like that, which kind of shows your history and your 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 career in pictures inside of a jacket, I thought that that would be something um, that would be really cool. And we're going to, I'm asking you, when you get a chance, we would love for you to come in so we can see it personally. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, the lining you know, no one looks at the lining that often, but boy, I tell you, when you open these one, you, you do pay attention to the lining in the, in, in the jackets. Hey, Bernie, we, we've seen great teams, and the Blues are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. They don't have their, their front-of-the-line guys, but I, I'm, I'm struggling to find a way to believe that this team can be great. Do you, when you look at the big picture, do you, do you think this team can be great? Well, I don't know what the word great is. I mean, I think that when you look at the, the, the team in 2019 that won that cup, I, I don't think that you can say that it was a great team. It was a really, really good hockey club that all played together and came together at the right time. I mean, what they did have was they had great goaltending, and I think right now they're still getting great goaltending. So that, that's always a, such a plus because a goalie can win you an awful lot of games, and we saw what Bennington did in 2019. He's doing that an awful lot uh, this year. Um, you know, with the you know, you, you know, each team you revolve. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a cycle. 
Um, you know, you win. Uh, you obviously, when you win, you don't get high draft picks, so you have to kind of uh, make trades. You have to deal with what you've got, and, and you don't get the new, really good young talent coming in. So, so you have to adjust. And uh, so, this team uh, can they still do it all? Yeah, I think that they are very capable. Uh, they're going to have to have the breaks along the way. Uh, they're going to have to get everybody healthy. I mean, they, they need a healthy Ryan O'Reilly and a healthy Tarasenko. Uh, but they need to have things to come together really on the defensive end too. I mean, once all the guys come back to get, get all from injury, uh, then you know the the system has to come into play, and everybody's got to play for each other. So certainly, there's every team thinking that same way. But this team has been there before. Uh, yes, there's some new pieces, but because of I think their past experience, you, they have a chance each and every time. And I think that really realistically, Randy, when you look at the way Bennington has played, uh, I think that. If the Blues get into the playoffs, I don't think there's a team uh, out there that wants to play them because I think the, the experience that the Blues have had with playoff success, no one wants to play them, and certainly the Blues are, are capable of winning when they get in that uh, playoff position. Hey, Bernie, Jake uh, Neighbors got his third goal the other night and, and got into a fight uh, protecting one of his guys. How much does that carry with the team when you see a guy that is playing his butt off, you know, scoring goals, but also sticking up for his teammates? When you're a teammate, how does that make you feel, and, and what do you look at that? how do you look at that guy? Well, that's the kind of kid that you want to have to come into your organization. I mean, here's a kid that was drafted high, uh, spent some time in the minors. I mean, he's still young, and, and, and he's he's uh, he's trying to fit in, and, and, and that's what you do. Um, you know, you do the little things that you're supposed to do, and uh, when you can jump in and, and uh, you know, get into a fight like that, I think the respect that you gain in the locker room is, is the most important thing that you, you gain. And, and certainly, uh, he's got some real good skills, and, and, and he's one of those kids that, I think is going to be the future of the Blues. So, so what he's doing right now is uh, is, is what he's supposed to do. I guess just put it that way is that uh, that's how you uh, build yourself the character for yourself that that everybody respects in the locker room, and then it really always carries on onto the ice. And of course, the the Blues uh, the other night they took away took apart the Kairu Thomas Buchnevich line. But, boy, are are they dynamic when they're together. Bernie, what were you seeing that led Craig Berube to take those three apart, though? Well, that's just typical coaching. Things aren't going well. I mean, that, that line has had some chances but hasn't scored over the course of the last couple of games. It was a you know low-scoring game. It was a two-to-one game uh, for the most part. And I think it's just uh, kind of what uh, Craig, and, and not just uh, Craig, but most coaches do when they try to uh, – find a, a different bit of chemistry just for a little bit and, and try to throw things apart so that maybe you can get some, some chances and somebody else will get some excitement with, with, with each, with a, the, another combination and, and score some goals. So, I mean, that's just not unusual. I mean, uh, because that line has been dynamic and will he keep them together? I'm sure he will. Will he continue to, to experiment if things aren't going in and the offense is like, go, oh, yeah, that's I think just typical coaching. And I think Craig's really good at that. He, he usually finds the, the uh, you know the golden lining all the time by the way he switches and, and, and mixes and matches. He did that uh, each and every year that he's been coaching here. So it wasn't unusual for him to do it. He didn't obviously uh, it didn't get any goals scored out of it, but uh, hey, the Blues still won the game, so at least probably was a good experiment. And the Blues sit at nine, ten, and two at home right now, and they they've had these this long home stand and going to have a few more here in a couple of weeks. What do they need to do to win more games at home? Is there is there a certain recipe or is there something that they can do uh, really to protect their home ice? Because that seems to be the struggle for them this season. 
Well, Kerry, I think they just have to play solid defense. I mean, that's the one thing. You know, they only gave up uh, one goal against Ottawa, which was a pretty good hockey club. Uh, so I think that's the one thing they, they've got to really continue to check and, and even check better. I mean, they had too many scoring chances against them uh, the other night as well. But I, I think that special teams has got to be, uh, you know, something that they've got to be better at. They've not scored in the power play in the last couple of games. Uh, I think the power play is something that they could have torn, you know, really broke that game apart. They had three chances against Ottawa. They did not score on, on any of them. So I think it's really, it's, it's continue to check. And uh, they've got to get their special teams going. And I think if those two things come together, uh, they're certainly going to win more games. Bernie Federico, we always love having you on the show. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night at Valley Sports for the Blues and the Nashville Predators. Have a great day. Thanks, gentlemen. You guys have a great day, too. See you later. That is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, on 101 ESPN. Coming up with Carrie and Randy, we've got the fight. I believe we've got a fighter, too. So that's always a good thing when you're going to have a fight to have a fighter here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe. Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Matt. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Kerry. How you doing? I am doing well. Are you? You sound like you're on the road. You on the road driving around? I yeah. I just dropped uh, my daughter off at school, and I'm heading back home. All right, ten and two, and eyes on the road, and just listen to the questions. We got you. All good, man. I'm, I'm taking the slow route. So. There you go. All right, here we go. Who is the last running back to be drafted in the top 10 of the NFL draft? Is it Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, or Saquon Barkley? Hmm. I'm going to go with Todd Gurley. What was the first year of interleague play in Major League Baseball's regular season? Was that 1993, 1995, or 1997? 95. After another incredible 30-point triple-double, Nikolai Jokic is is the current betting favorite to win the MVP, which would make him just the fourth NBA player in history to win the award three times in a row. Who is the only non-center to win three MVPs in a row? Is it Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Larry Bird? We'll go with MJ. All right. And which former all-star fielder did the Cardinals package alongside Kurt Flood in their attempted trade to the Phillies in October of 1969? Was that Tim McCarver, Veda Pinson, or Johnny Edwards? You said all-star what? All-star fielder. Okay. Right. I gave you three Tim fielders. McCarver. Tim McCarver who? Tim McCarver, Veda Pinson, or Johnny Edwards? Oh, man. I'm going to guess like I did every other question. I guess the third one. <laughs> Johnny Edwards? Yes, sir. All right. All right. We'll double check the score and we will go get Randy Carricker. How you feeling, All Matt? Right. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. Nobody's a match for Randy. So. <laughs> if it was trivia on, on, on what not to do in life, I would beat him on that. So. <laughs> you got him. You got him beat in that area. 
Yeah, I got him beat in that area. I, but, um, I might give you a run yeah. for your money, Matt. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to say hello to Matt. Matt, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. How you doing, sir? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. No problem. All right, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Okay. Who was the last running back to be drafted in the top 10 of the NFL draft? Saquon Barkley. Second. Gonna go with him. What was the first year of interleague play in Major League Baseball's regular season? I think it was... Uh, I was doing games in 97. And I think it was 97. I was actually in Kansas City doing Cardinals-Royals when... Uh, Princess Die died. Really? I think it was 97. I'll go play with by that. play? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I'll go with uh, 86. I don't think we did during that uh, Tony LaRusso first year. I don't think we did interleague. So I'll go 97. All right. After another incredible 30-point triple-double, Nikolai Jokic is the current betting favorite to win the MVP, which would make him just the fourth NBA player in history to win the award three times in a row. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Who is the only non-center to win the MVP three times in a row? Hmm. So uh, Shaq was a center. I don't think... I don't think Michael won it three times in a row because Barkley, and then when he came back, I don't think that he won three times in a row. I'll do the old lifeline here, big boy. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Larry Bird? Hmm. This is extraordinarily difficult. I don't. We're always looking for a reason for LeBron to not win it, right? Isn't that the, the old thing? But he probably has. Bird had to go against Kareem and Magic. Back in the good old days of basketball. When basketball was real. Mm -hmm. Basketball. It's like when it was WWF and then it became WWE. Mm -hmm. Changed a little bit. (laughs) This is when in the 80s, basketball was a real deal. Yeah. You know what Rock is talking about. So I'll... uh, (laughs) uh, um, I guess I'll go with LeBron James. All right, Randy. How many... uh, how many finals MVPs does he have, though? Nah. Six? Does he have six? Does he doesn't he? have six. Okay. No, I don't think so. Nah. Um, <laughs> which, for, which former all-star <laughs> fielder did the Cardinals package alongside Kurt Flood in their first attempted trade to the Phillies in October of 1969? So that trade was... Uh, Joe Horner was in that trade, but wasn't a fielder. I think there was another pitcher. Tim McCarver was in that trade with Flood. He wound up going to Philadelphia. Does catcher count as a fielder? Yes. Then I'll go with Tim McCarver. And the Cardinals got back Dick Allen and Jerry Johnson and some infielder I don't remember. Yeah, so I'm, I'll go with the Tim McCarver being the fielder. We are officially in ter- ter- uh, territory where Randy would be giving up a Hall of Famer an entire year after his last Hall of Famer. So at that point, that's thrown out the window. So could Matt start a new year or Randy continue through a year of triumph with another win today on the fight? Ring that bell. 
the winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Matt. Randy had a good run today. He got three correct. I'm sorry you, you did not get one correct. It was a, it was a tricky uh, slate today. I heard you and uh, Carrie talking about what you what you could have taken them down, and I'm sorry I, I didn't hit more of your <laughs> bailiwick. But uh, thank you for joining the show, and thank you for playing. No problem. <laughs> thank, thanks, job, Matt. Matt. Thank you. Randy. It happens. It happens to the best of us. You heard uh, almost all the right answers from Randy. Let's go through them. The last running back to be drafted in the top 10 was back in the 2018 draft when Saquon Barkley went to overall. The year before that was Leonard Fournette, and two years before that uh, was Todd Gurley Mm -hmm. going in the top 10. The first year of interleague play in Major League Baseball was, in fact, 1997. After another incredible 30-point triple-double, plus 130 is the MVP odds on our FanDuel Sportsbook right now for Nikola Jokic to win his third in a row. But Randy Carricker, you were right. There's some voter fatigue nowadays. LeBron James never won a third one in a row because mm-hmm. of said voter fatigue. Larry Bird is the only non-center to win three in a row, 84, 85, and 86. It's amazing and, when you uh, think about that. The era in which he was mm-hmm. playing, the great players that he was yeah. playing against. Absolutely incredible. I told him to put Magic. Uh, well, I said Magic might have been a, a, a guest, would have been a tough one as well. Yeah. He, that, he won three or four. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, pretty incredible. And then it was, in fact, Tim McCarver, who was the all-star fielder, who the, the Cardinals attempted to package alongside Kurt Flood, obviously. And happy birthday to Kurt Flood, a man who uh, all of baseball and really sports owes just an Indeed. unbelievable Cut. debt to for what he did and stood Indeed. up for. So a 3-0 win for Randy. And, uh, again, thank you very much to Matt for joining the fight and joining the show. Uh, this from the 314, a catcher isn't a fielder. Oh. And I did go back, guys, and check. So we have a, a snail mailbox for the opening drive here. I don't think it's called the opening drive. I think it's called the... Something drive, but it's our our mailbox doesn't huh. say the opening drive. They said character and small one for a while. They yeah, still it said that. It, no, it's no, it some, it. something drive. Oh, yeah. Okay. But anyway, I went and checked the, our snail mail, and my check from the Cardinals is not there. It's not there yet. No, we're still waiting on that. They, yeah. they, they you, I mean, clearly, everyone thinks you're paid by the Cardinals yeah, to speak do, highly of them. Mm-hmm. Do catchers <laughs> pi- do, do catchers pitch the ball? Do they play on the field? They are they are behind yeah. the plate. Yeah. I, they count as a fielder. The catcher's a fielder. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Coming up next, the NFL playoffs are heading into the divisional round. We're going to talk about them with Jeff Chidea of NFL.com next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And we'll have a lot of football for you this weekend here on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where we are joined by Jeffrey Chidea of NFL.com. Has done great work for a long time covering the NFL. Jeffrey, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Everything's good. And looking forward to this weekend, is there any matchup that is particularly intriguing to you that you'll keep an eye on? Oh, I think the uh, Cowboys 49ers is probably the most interesting to me. I mean, it's probably, you know, certainly you never know what you're going to get with the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you saw last week they showed up and played well. The week before they didn't. But I think when they play their best game, they're, they're arguably the best team in the NFL. And so I think they're playing the best team in the NFL right now, and they have the potential 
to really give them a fight. So I, that's the one I want to watch. Hey, Jeff, this uh, Cincinnati Bengals-Buffalo Bills matchup seems to be uh, one of the marquee matchups. We know what happened you know, the last time those two teams tried to play. Uh, what are your thoughts about that matchup? And, and if Josh Allen turns the ball over at the rate that he has you know, at times this season, does that <laughs> how, how does that bowl yeah. for, the, for the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, he had three turnovers in that game, had the ball on the ground five times uh, the last time they played uh, last week. Mm-hmm. I think that they, I think they'll be better. Uh, I think sometimes their problem is they try to do too many things and try to show you how great they are. And Josh Allen's track record in the postseason has been one of efficiency. Before that game, he had 14 touchdown passes, one interception, no turnovers last year in the playoffs. So I think that they're going to get back to basics, knowing that they turned the ball over against Cincinnati, even with that diminished offensive line. They're going to lose that game. Obviously, there's only so much you can do with the emotion. But, Jeffrey, don't you kind of think that Buffalo is going to introduce Hamlin in some way, shape, or form before this game? (laughs) Yeah, hey, look, I I don't want to say that they're trying to capitalize on it because I think that they obviously care very much about him and are happy that he's alive. But I've said it, you know, since he got hurt and and was started to get healthy, that this is certainly the the biggest emotional boost a team can have is to go through something like that. It galvanizes you. It puts things in perspective. Um, it makes everybody on the roster want to do something as opposed to people looking at Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs or whoever else to, to make big plays. And so, yeah, I think he certainly will be out there. Um, I certainly he'll be out. You know, he'll play a role in terms of his presence, his emotional lift. And you think about not just him, but they had a mass shooting back in Buffalo back in the summertime. They had two big blizzards. They've lost Von Miller. They've had all these things happen. They keep fighting, so this is one more thing. Probably the biggest thing they can have going for them is knowing they're playing for for Demar Hamlin. Well, you know, as as you know, former players and players in general, just the I got chills just thinking about what that's going to look like when he does come out of that tunnel, and it yeah. it gives you a boost as a player. I mean, obviously the fans are there; it's going to be a crazy situation. But to have that young man walk out of that tunnel, and I think I agree. I think it'll be the defense will be announced, and I think he's going to be the last one to come out. And I think you're going to be able to hear Buffalo fans in in New York City, New York, just just the the amount of yells and cheers that. Will be associated with that game, and and it will give that Buffalo Bills team a boost to start that game off. You got it all choreographed already. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I, I, ideas <laughs> over to, I mean, they have gave me chills just thinking about it, just visualizing that that thing. If they don't do it now, it's going to be a letdown. It will be. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Chidi of NFL.com with us on 101 ESPN, and in your latest piece uh, from the divisional round, biggest immediate questions for advancing and eliminated playoff teams, and you ha- you wonder about Kansas City's special teams. I have to believe, Jeffrey. Tell me if uh, you agree that Spags will have some things dialed up for. Trevor Lawrence that he probably hasn't seen on tape. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's kind of the game within the game, sort of what Steve Spagnuolo can do to young quarterbacks and and what uh, Doug Peterson knows about Andy Reid's, and, you know, preferences and strategies, having been a, his right-hand man for so long. Um, you know, I think it's a different situation when you're playing a game like they played on Saturday night in your hometown with your home crowd behind you and you have those moments where you make those big mistakes, but it's totally on the road, in Arrowhead. I mean, they're a feisty team. They remind me a lot of the Bengals last year where you didn't really believe in them until they were actually winning these games. 
I think it's a much tougher challenge they're going to have this week coming to Arrowhead, playing Andy Reid and Chiefs uh, will come off the bye. Hey, Randy and I were talking about this, and we've been talking about this uh, probably for the, the entire football season. The amount of talent on this AFC side in the quarterback position. You got Josh Allen. You got Joe Burrow. You know, Patrick Mahomes. Trevor Lawrence, who we just spoke about, Justin Herbert, all of those guys are are going to be vying for all-star Pro Bowl <laughs> votes and for eventually Hall of Fame votes. How does that impact their career if you got all those guys on the same side of the division and you also have Lamar and if Deshaun Watson figures yeah. it out, you have him as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I said this because I live in Kansas City and I know um, how much Patrick Mahomes has meant, his rise has meant to this, this community. And I used to tell people all the time when he was younger that, look, at some point, there's going to be four or five other guys who rise up and join him because every decade they're going to have quarterbacks. You know, you look at the 80s, you had Jim Kelly and Dan Marino, you know, Joe Montana. In the 90s, you had Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Kurt Warner. There's always going to be people showing up. So I think there's room for everybody. And I think all the guys you mentioned, you know, I don't know so much about Lamar because the situation is a lot more complicated here. Yeah. <laughs> but I think certainly Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are going to have great opportunities. And I think the Chargers can find somebody there to coach the quarterback and get their offense right. Justin Herbert should be in that group as well. Speaking of Lamar, what are your thoughts on that situation and and kind of the cryptic posts that he's he's had the last couple of days? He, he seems to be seems like a relationship that's on the on the verge of a breakup. Yeah, no, exactly. Anybody who's, who's dated anybody knows that when you know you start sending these kind of messages, this passive aggressiveness is full force. It's yeah. not, not a good sign. I, I honestly, when he didn't come to the game, I thought that was a huge blow, obviously, to any kind of real um, negotiation. Um, and, and I understand. Look, I understand his side of it, where he's done a great job and been an MVP. And you look at the money getting paid to guys who have done less. Um, that's a great argument, but. He also has not been available to them at the end of the season the last two years, and they haven't won a playoff game in the last two years. And so I, I'm beginning to wonder. I, I, I think he's there next year. I think they franchise him. But beyond that, I, I think that franchise tag may be the last you know, nail in the coffin for that relationship. And I think he's probably playing football somewhere else after next season. Jeffrey Chidea, NFL.com. My last thing for you, you ask the question, what is Tom Brady's next move? Answer your own question. What is Tom Brady's next move? <laughs> well, I, I believe he'll be playing football next year. And I know at the end of the, that game, he looked like a guy who was pretty worn out and, and didn't really, you know, some people say you want to get hit. Um, I look at if you go through you, you, you go through a divorce, you know, you're, you're playing football plays a huge factor in the end of your family, your relationship. I, I doubt he's all of a sudden going to be like, you know what, I don't want to do this now. <laughs> I, think he, I think he's one of those guys that, like Michael Jordan, like Muhammad Ali, you have to literally carry them out. And as long as he can still be a difference maker, I think he's going to go try to find a place to make a difference. I could see him with the Jets. I can see him in Vegas with Josh McDaniels. I mean, he's going to have suitors. And this guy loves playing football. He's made that clear. So I don't think he stops until, he's literally not, until he can't do it anymore. Hey, you mentioned that uh, you think the Dallas Cowboys, when they're playing right, could be the the class of the NFC. And I I think that the team that they're playing this weekend is the class of the NFC. And with a a young man in Brock Purdy uh, leading that that charge, what have you seen from him? And when this San Francisco team is rolling, they seem to be pretty much unstoppable, whether it's on the ground or in the air. Yeah, I think he's really grown into that role. And early on, I thought, well, he's just managing the game and holding it down so they can get Garoppolo healthy. But this past week, you saw, you know, the numbers he put up were, were historic. 
um, 330 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, they've got a great supporting cast. They scheme it up great for him. I think the only thing left for him to do really is to be put into a high high pressure moment and have to deliver because he hasn't faced that yet. And, and so I think he's starting to see the teams like the Cowboys, potentially the Eagles, who will put that pass rush on them, that secondary. And he'll have to make those plays for them to keep winning. Jeffrey, your work at NFL.com continues to be superlative. We always enjoy that, and we always enjoy having you on here in St. Louis. Thanks for it, and have a great day and a great NFL playoff weekend. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Take care. That is Jeffrey Chidea of NFL.com. He is one of the most knowledgeable and interesting reads at of the NFL anywhere, but certainly at NFL.com. Kerry, Randy, good to have you with us. And coming up, we've got more of your mic drops. Regarding the Cardinals, where they stand in terms of revenue, a lot of people don't believe that, and where they are in terms of payroll, and people aren't satisfied with that. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. On Monday at the winter warm-up, Cardinal Chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. said that the Cardinals are 12th in revenue and, accordingly, at least according to him, 12th in payroll. And as our friend Don the Hall, Doug Vaughn, would say, ooh, are people hot. <laughs> they, they, they aren't uh, thrilled about this. Some aren't. Some understand business. Uh, I just try to put it in a smaller Businesses perspective. Mm-hmm. Would I like our payroll here at Hubbard to go up so that I got a whole lot more money? Of course. I would. Are we a, an extraordinarily high billing station in the market? One or two? Yeah. Well, our, our station makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I understand that there are other expenses that our station has. Correct. Facilities, uh, other people that support lights. us. Lights. <laughs> Not all the time. But... I think people need to think about it from their own businesses, whether they work for a business or whether they own a business. Think about it from that perspective. How many businesses are in business to break even? None. They're they're in business to make a profit. Yeah. And so I think that's what is at the core of Bill DeWitt's DNA. He, he is a guy. He owns Arby's restaurants. He owns U.S playing card company. Uh, he is an investor. He's in the business of making money. Mm-hmm. I think the, that's where the difference lies for the fan, the the, the casual fan, or even the, the not-so-casual fan. Mm-hmm. It, it, it lies in the fact that most of us don't see it as business, and, and it's sport. It's entertainment. It's something that, you know, when we get off of work, we want to watch a game and be entertained by the best best team in baseball because we are the best fans in baseball. And so you have to separate the two and understand that at the, at the, end, of the, at the end of the day, it is still a business for those that are providing this service. And so it, it, it can be a little bit frustrating for fans to not see 
the players that they want to see on the roster, not see the money being spent that they want to see being spent, and and not winning the amount of championships that they feel. You know, we're selfish. We're 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 greedy. We want to win every single year, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you are a team and a franchise that has shown to you that we can be in there every single year, but we want to win it every single year. I don't think that there's something wrong with that, but I do think that fans are going to have trouble and it's going to be hard for them to take a step back and say, oh, it's a business, not something that is solely for my entertainment purposes. And I, I, I like to look at it also from a logical comparative standpoint. Kerry, here are the St. Louis is the number 23 market. Here are the MLB markets out of the top 10 above St. Louis. And I say this because I have an appreciation that the Cardinals either are willing to take a risk or B, are willing to spend money to make money. Okay, the, the market sizes above St. Louis are Phoenix, Arizona Diamondbacks, Tampa, the Rays, Seattle, which made the playoffs for the first time since 2001 last year, mm-hmm. Minneapolis, St. Paul, I don't think anybody will equate the Twins' level of success with the Cardinals, Miami, Cleveland, Denver. Those are the markets right above St. Louis. The markets right below St. Louis are Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, San Diego, which is an outlier, obviously, right now, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. So and the market sizes the Cardinals are surrounded by, they're a unicorn right. with the, their historical level of success and their payroll. And, and so I look at it from that perspective, rather than trying to compare St. Louis to Chicago or Philadelphia or San Francisco, yeah. I'm trying to compare St. Louis to Equal market right. sizes. And by the way, people say, well, the, they, they draw so many people. You know why they draw so many people? Because they pay players. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got Patrick Wisdom playing third right now rather than Nolan Arenado, and if you have uh, Elahoris Montero playing first rather than Paul Goldschmidt, and if you don't have Adam Wainwright, but you have... Zach Gallen as a front of the rotation guy, people aren't going to pay to watch those guys. They, people they, pay to watch stars. They do. They want to show up. But again, we are we are like the mob. We want more. Yeah. We oh, always yeah. want more. Mm-hmm. And and I can't, you know, I can't really blame the, the fans for that because no. I as well want more. We yeah. always want that that opportunity to win that championship. And I think I think the frustration, I said this yesterday, I think the frustration comes in is because when you're told uh, that the payroll will increase mm-hmm. and you're not seeing that that significant amount of increased pay, payment going elsewhere, that's when frustration sets in and it becomes, oh, here we go again, same old, same old thing we've dealt with every single year. It would be one. It would be completely different if no one ever mentioned that the payroll will, will shoot up. And and when you hear that, if the if the payroll was 143 million last year, I think that's what it was. Is that round? That it was 140 or 150. 154. Million? 154 million. Yep. You're assuming that now we're at 175, 180 million. But here's the thing: as about opposed payroll. to 160 million. So if they would have gotten to. 178 million by giving Matt Carpenter an 18 million dollar contract would that have made you happy? No. 
it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been that money being spent there because we've seen the Matt Carpenter project. He mm-hmm. did well when he left when he went to New York. He did an outstanding job. He's probably going to do an outstanding job in San Diego. But we're talking about a younger, more talented something that you were lacking from last year that you that you needed. And, whether it's a front of the line uh, starter or it's a it's a left handed bat a, a bat a guy in the outfield that can be rangy and make plays. And this is where the Cardinals need to catch up because they didn't have the foresight to see where the market was going. All right. Your mic drops. Damien on 101 ESPN. So the Cardinals exceed their payroll numbers like their budget they want to hit in order to win more games. No, because I don't believe that paying more money wins you more games. Um, You might make deeper runs in the playoffs, but nothing is guaranteed in this game. There's no formula for spend X amount of dollars, win X amount of World Series. The Yankees have spent a lot of money over the last 20 years, and they haven't won a ton of World Series, I don't believe. Um, The Dodgers have spent more money than God, and mm, they have won World Series win. Uh, The Mets, they throw their cash around pretty good, and they can't seem to get out of the first round of the playoffs. So, I, I don't know. I just don't buy it. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you you are hitting on some points. It's not about just throwing money frivolous, frivolously at any and everything. It's about spending the money correctly. And and what we talked about from last season in the playoffs, what what could we have used in that in that playoff scenario? Another bat? Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, we, we could have used the, the Quintana staying in another yeah. inning. Yeah, yep. <laughs> But y- y- another bat for that team is – Especially not even not even the the game against the Phillies down the stretch when when Goldie and Arenado were not performing at the level that they had performed the entire season another bat would have been extremely helpful in that lineup to probably get them jump started because there were times where no runs were being scored or one run was being scored just wasn't enough offensive production that's what they're talking about I, I it's not about spending. 300 million on, you know, two 40-year-old pitchers that are going to be paid 43 million a year over the that, I I don't want to spend that type of money, but I want I do want a player or players that are going to help this team when you get down to September and and trying to make a run in October. Those are the guys that I want to see on this roster. And we're going to go to Lisa next on 101 ESPN. You know, Mr. DeWitt didn't get where Mr. DeWitt is by being a bad businessman, so obviously our team's always going to have a couple big stars on it. But I think the role that's so important on this corporation business is the evaluation of talent because they're not going to overspend and go get Schwarber and this guy and that guy. They are going to have a plan, but man, who they're betting on. So here's the questions when they're evaluating talent. We dug in on Carlson, Gorman, O'Neill, but we didn't dig in on a rookie of the year and a Cy Young winner. And yeah, I know why we made those trades, but we could have made a trade this summer. We dug in. So whoever's evaluating talent, how come I heard about O'Neill, Carlson, Gorman, never heard about Lars and Donovan? So the evaluation of talent, I think on the Cardinals, because of this crazy fan base, because of how they draw, but they're not going to grow crazy spending. I think whoever's evaluating talent, and I hope you guys are all right about Flaherty, but it's a freaking shoulder. Well, this is a, a talent evaluation. There's no doubt that the Cardinals have struggled. They should have kept a Rosarena. They mm-hmm. shouldn't have traded him. Uh, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't think the Cardinals should have traded for Marcelo Zuna, even though it seemed like a pretty good move at the time to me. Yeah. 
Uh, you needed that bat. And you, and you needed that bat. But they clearly didn't think enough of Sandy Alcantara. I don't recall people after that trade was made saying, oh, Sandy Alcantara, that was a huge mistake. He's going to be a Cy Young Award winner. Maybe other people are better talent evaluators than the Cardinals' talent evaluators. But yes, I think the Cardinals' biggest issue actually has been the efficiency of evaluating veteran talent. When you sign people like Andrew Miller and Brett Cecil and Dexter Fowler, I think that uh, signing Carpenter to his extension, Mm -hmm. I think that's where the waste of money has occurred because, let's be real, if you had over the course of the years that Carpenter and Fowler were on the team together, mm-hmm. that's $30 million yeah. a year right there that yeah. you could have spent. Yeah. And so that has been the biggest inefficiency for the Cardinals, in my view. Well, that money was spent based off of previous performance. Mm-hmm. Though. You you thought you were going to get that same performance here in St. Louis, and it just didn't pan out that way. That's the that's the that's that's the risk you take when you go outside of the organization and try to de- try to offer money to players to come in and, and they sign those big contracts and they don't perform in the in the best way um, that they have in the previous years. I think the best teams and and I can say this because I've been on in one of the best franchises in sports in Pittsburgh. It comes from drafting and evaluating and bringing those guys up through your your organization because they learn how to do things the way you want them to do them. They learn the terminology. They learn exactly what the expectations are. When you sign someone from outside of the organization to a huge contract, you don't know what you're getting. You know what you're getting on the field, but you don't know about habits. You can you can research and figure out those things, but until you see someone every single day, you don't really know what their habits are, you know, good or bad. And and that's potentially a thing that can cause you not to perform well when you get to a new organization. I would like for them to bring up the guys that they have. We hear about all of these great prospects and, you know, all of the talent and they're two years away and they're a year away. Goldie and Arenado will not be performing at this high of a level for, for, for the remainder of their careers. And the sooner you can get that talent up here, you talk about a bat in the outfield, mm-hmm. there's one waiting. You get those guys up here that can perform, I think that'll be what this Cardinals organization needs to to win championships. And by the way, if you're consistently good, another thing that you have to run into is luck sometimes. Yeah. You need other teams to take people like Robert Gallery, Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow, oh, yeah. Roy Williams, D'Angelo Hall, Reggie Williams, and Dante Robinson ahead of a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. You do. So that you land with him at number 11, <laughs> right? Yeah. So l- luck plays a role sometimes. Yeah. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Blues with another day off. Robert Thomas joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the Opening Drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. On the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we go to do go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and we visit every week with Blues Center Robert Thomas. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Morning, guys. Doing well. Good. Hey, I was wondering the other night because you have a relationship with Brady Kachuk, and you've told us in the past that you aren't much of a chirper. Does your chirping change when you're on the ice with a buddy like Brady or Matthew Kachuk? Uh, maybe a little bit, not too much. So. Um... You know, it's great. We had a couple of nice battles on the face-off, Don. So uh, it was pretty nice uh, when I snapped one back that I got the 
that's kind of giving him a little jab, so that was fun. Hey, Robert, you seem like a pretty easygoing, laid-back kind of guy. So we learned yesterday that Randy uh, was at a function and grabbed a Patriot fan by the shirt and told him to leave. Uh, I have been in altercations in my life. Have you ever had a point where you wanted to drop the gloves and just got to it on the ice with someone? Um, I've been close a couple times, but um, I try and keep my gloves on and and my stick in my hand. So, (laughs) Um, no, I'm pretty easygoing, so. There's yeah. only been a couple times where it's been uh, kind of close. Okay, we need to know the closest. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, it was a couple of years ago. Um, I don't. I don't really want to say the exact moment of it because it might cause stuff. But I got one one moment in my head right now that uh, I was pretty close. And is there a level of blackout rage where if you do drop the gloves, that the the guy that you're going up against better look out? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing if I do it. So, uh, couldn't really tell you. <laughs> you all had a a big win the other night. You got a big game coming up against the Preds uh, tomorrow night. What are your What are you looking forward to uh, from this team, from the Predators? How How they're going to attack you all? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think you know Charlie's line and you know Akita when he was in and Walker. I think those guys have been doing really well. Um, last couple games, I think they've really carried us, and uh, I think you know going into Nashville, I think it's the chance for Shen's line and my line to, to really step up and kind of pick up what uh, what they've been doing. Hey, Robert, what'd you think the other night when Jake Neighbors got into it with Parker Kelly? Sorry, I lost you for a second. Can you what, repeat that? What'd you think of Jake's fight? Oh, Jake, he did it awesome. Uh, I mean, he had a big goal for us, and then he sticks up for. For Cherry, when he gets hit, um, I think it was awesome. I think it was, you know, he, he's been playing awesome for us lately, and uh, that's just another reason, uh, you know, of what he brings. And uh, I think it was, I think he had a great game, and he obviously had a great fight. One thing about a, a fight like that, just a guy that's willing to go, I've always heard, and there's a lot of people that don't like fighting, and it has been pretty much legislated out, but if you have a guy that stands up for a teammate like that, it seems to provide a little bit more space for guys like you, the, the skill guys. Is that an accurate assessment? Um, I would say, you know, just in, in terms of leadership, I think he's showing, um, you know, he's got every guy on the team's back, and uh, I think that's, uh, that's very important and you know, something that Shenner's proven over the years and everyone respects him for it and uh, he's a great leader because of it. So I think it was uh, I think it was really cool for him to do that and obviously did pretty well. So it's awesome. Hey, we were uh, obviously Craig Berube is, is a guy that has had a few fights in his career. What did he say to, to neighbors to Jake after that after that whole deal took place? Uh, I think he just said great job. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think I was on the ice when he came off, so I didn't get to hear the whole spiel. But uh, no, he would have been uh, he would have been pumped about that. Hey, Robert, you've mentioned Shenner several times over the time that, that you've been with us. David Perron always used to talk about the leadership of Shenner and Steiner and, and David himself. What are some of the things off the ice that you've taken from those guys that you apply to who Robert Thomas is in the dressing room? Yeah, I think uh, you know both both of those guys were uh, you know any anything you needed, whether you know how small, how big. Um, you know they'd help you with realtors, they'd help you you know find places to live, um, dinner restorations, um, babysitters, all that stuff. They 
I mean, I don't need the babysitter, but uh, <laughs> from what I've known, uh, they, you know, they've, they're just, they're, you know, any anything you need, you shoot them a text first, and uh, they usually have something figured out. If not, they'll go and help you and find something. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that aspect of it, as well as, you know, hockey stuff, I think. Um, you know, anytime I was in a jam or needed some advice on how to handle something or, you know, the way I'm playing, stuff like that, um, you know, you go to them and they'll give you the honest answer and, you know, give you their experience. So uh, I think those are those are two things that, that really helped me when I was younger and uh, those are guys that I would lean on. That just made me think of something because people don't uh, don't really understand that you do still have to do real life things. Uh, hockey is your job, but you have to, as you said, find babysitters, find somewhere to live. When you were a younger player, how what was the the balance for you? How which one was more difficult, the on the on the ice things or or off the ice? Just figuring out you know where to live and and how to go about your day as a professional hockey play, hockey player. Yeah, I, I think for me, I got pretty lucky. I got to live in, uh, you know, big walled basement. So, shop uh, <laughs> was the best and took care of most of the stuff away from the rink. So, I just had to focus on the rink. Um, so that was pretty pretty cool. I was pretty lucky to have that. And I know some of the young guys get get to do similar things with with other players and uh, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I was pretty fortunate in that area. But uh, it's hard when you're when you're young. Uh, you know, a lot of us. If you play junior hockey in Canada, you have a billet family, so they help you kind of along the way as well. And um, you get up, you get into living by yourself, and it's it's hard, especially with the travel and um, how busy you are. So uh, that's obviously one one part that uh, as older guys we we try and help uh, help the young guys out. Hey Robert, I think all of us as guys dream of a basement like it waltz at the old house, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone does. What was the highlight for you down there? Uh, I mean, it was great. Uh, you know, I we always watch sports down there. You get the TV on, um, so that was, that was always great. Um, there's always some couple good parties throughout the year that were uh, were a ton of fun. And um, yeah, I think you know, for me, the best part was just being able to. Like you said about leadership, he, you know, he was one of the biggest personalities and um, everyone always respected him. Um, so I, I was able to learn a lot from him and bounce a ton of ideas off him. You know, he'd watch some of my shifts with me and um, and just watch hockey in general with him was, was always awesome. Hey, before we let you go, very rarely do you guys get two days off at home. You played on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you play again tomorrow. What you been doing aside from practicing the last couple of days? Yeah, it's been nice. Uh, we've gotten away from the rink a little bit, um, kind of get a little reset before. Uh, I think we got six or seven games left before uh, the All Star break, so uh, it's a pretty important time for us to m- make up some ground and. Um, you know, we got to finish this homestand strong. So I think for a lot of us, it was just getting away and kind of getting your mind off hockey and a little reset. So um, that's pretty much what I've been doing is just trying to trying to get away as much as I can and um, hang out with family and kind of just relax. Beautiful. Robert Thomas, always good to have you with us. Have a good practice today and enjoy the rest of this one. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. That's our friend Robert Thomas, Blues Center here on 101 ESPN. It's uh, who had the basement in in Pittsburgh when you were with the Steelers?
we were always at Charlie Batch's house was a, a house that we mm-hmm. went to a lot. We went to um, <laughs> James Ferry. We called him Potsy. We, was at, we were at Potsy's house often playing cards. That uh, Those were, you know, two of the guys that spent a lot of time at their homes because they would have their massage lady come. You know, you would have the massage. You would go upstairs, get your massage, get ready for the game nice. in a couple of days. Guys are downstairs playing cards, and, you know, it would just – it was just kind of how the rotation went, and we, we would have a good time and hang out. Big Walt's house was the, the Monday Night Football house for the Blues when he was playing. So, and so we also did we did that as well with the offensive linemen. Uh, Chris Kimuatu mm-hmm. would, had, a, had a home. We would All the linemen would go over there, and obviously I'm considered a lineman. <laughs> <laughs> so I would go over there and hang out as well. Uh, so it was always some guys that just had, you know, had some spaces, and we would all venture and hang out together. And then Chris Carpenter had a house here, a legendary meeting with the Cardinals down the stretch when they were bad mm-hmm. in 2011 where he said, hey guys, let's not embarrass ourselves. Let's just go out and play for the fans and just play loose, but see if we can do something here. And obviously they went on to win the World Series. Ryan Kelly wound up buying the house later really? and it was a monster. <laughs> if Carp wanted to throw in the, the weight room upstairs, uh-huh. it was like a, a gym. It was yeah. unbelievable. And then downstairs was amazing as well. That was a great party spot and a meeting spot for those guys too. It's always fun to go to the to the big guys' houses and, yep. and hang out and see what oh, you got all of this room, huh? This is nice here. Pretty good. <laughs> That's Carrie. I'm Randy coming up rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. And with The Rock, here is Matthew Rock EO. Well, Randy, we've been talking a lot lately about the... NFL coaching carousel. It's always going to be a big conversation on here, so why not? So I thought it was really interesting when a couple days ago I stumbled upon a betting account, and uh, it is a uh, sports betting host and analyst for Wager Talk. And that is a woman by the name of Megan Payton, who happens to be the daughter of one Sean Payton. Mm. So she had a little segment where she had Sean Payton on to talk about the current odds for which job he might take in the NFL. Here was the little one-minute segment where she went through all the odds with uh, potential NFL head coach, future NFL head coach, (laughs) Sean Payton. So since you don't know maybe where you're going, I'll tell you where Vegas has you going. And Vegas, by the way, typically pretty smart. stop. According wow. to some sports book, let it be known, <clears throat> Cardinals have the shortest odds right now, plus 250. Then we've got the Rams at plus 400. So that means that Vegas thinks that you're going to end up at the Cardinals, most likely. Then they've got the Rams, then the Saints, the Colts, the Broncos, the Cowboys, and then the Chargers were seen at 10 to 1. What do you think of this graphic? Yeah. Well, first off, in fairness, the, the, the bottom two shouldn't be on there. They have coaches and they're in the playoffs. Um, so <laughs> I, I understand I understand the, the rumor mill and all of that. Um, you're missing Carolina. All right, Vegas. I know, that I was surprised by that. If we're trying yeah, to Vegas be, if we're just trying to be co- complete here. Um, and then the last box we're missing is Fox. You know, like what's the odds that he just, you know, goes back to Fox and pays for Megan's 
wedding the next year. You know, just you know, kind of put it on a credit card. And so that was potential future NFL head coach and obviously past Saints coach Sean Payton. I thought it was interesting that he threw out the the, the lack of the Panthers in there, but you heard heard some of the odds there. Uh, your thoughts on Megan Payton asking your dad to do this segment, or just your thoughts on where you think Sean Payton's going to end up? I think it was awesome that I, she I yesterday I to do, do it. I, I wonder if... Uh, if she were to place a bet, would it be voided? <laughs> <Nope. laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's going to be voided. Uh, I, I really took note of the fact that he said, yeah, Carolina isn't on there. Yeah. And there's the guy with the most money. David Tepper has the most money of all the owners. He has a team that already is set up pretty well defensively. Even though they traded Christian McCaffrey, the running game is there. Mm-hmm. That's a team that's a quarterback away. And they need another receiver, too. Yeah. They, they need some pieces, but... If I'm not mistaken, they still have a first-round pick, too. Yeah, they they are a team. I, that was interesting that he said that team. Uh, and then he said, maybe I go back to Fox. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't get uh, what I'm looking for, what I desire, and I just stay where I'm at. I'm, I'm good you know, doing this. It's not an issue. One thing that I wonder about, especially with Arizona hiring a general manager, I would think that he would want, Peyton would want a lot of power. Yeah, I, I would think so. I think you want to have a place where you can um, – have a have power over who you draft or who you bring into the uh, onto the team as free agents. Having having that, with Bill Parcells, if you're going to have me cook mm-hmm. the meal, I need to be able to pick the groceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want a guy that is able to to do that. Uh, I think that that would be especially if you're in a position that he's sitting in right now with, you know, pretty much all of the power. Everyone is looking yeah. for him to him uh, to to potentially be their next coach. Did I read that correctly? That if they, if he were to sign as a head coach, that the Saints could potentially get a first round draft pick for yeah, him. Yeah, he already has a deal with Mickey Loomis for a mid to late first round yeah, pick. So Mickey that, Loomis, the, the Saints GM. That's something to, t- uh, to think about as well. So if you are the Panthers and you have that first mm-hmm. round pick, maybe you don't have it going into. Um, you know, that, that upcoming draft. That'd be something to, to, to weigh also. It is interesting also that the only team that hasn't asked for permission to talk to Peyton is the Colts. The only of the five that are open. They're the only one that hasn't. Yeah, they might just stand pat with what they have. I don't uh, know. That's the, not great. So considering that the move for a GM in Arizona, the fact that it might cost, you know, the fact that the potential draft pick cost, if you guys were in Vegas right now and you had to handicap it, who would be your favorite for Sean Payton, you know, Week one opens in 2023. Sean Payton's on the sideline for what team? Who would be your betting favorite? I'm saying Panthers. I'm going to say uh, Cardinals. And the Cardinals just signed their GM, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, as well. They so did. Uh, I'm going to say the, I will say the Arizona Cardinals. Can I give a, a shout out real quick to my guy, my my good friend? I'm glad you mentioned this. Randrick Carthon, also known as Rand Carthon, new GM for the Tennessee Titans. Rand and I were uh, teammates in Indianapolis, we were rookies together. Came into the league. We have stayed in contact. He's worked for the Rams. He's worked for the 49ers. He's been working his way through up uh, into this league and is finally named as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. My guy, my boy, I am uh, extremely happy and proud of him. You know, it's it's a it's an amazing feat. I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does there. And Kerry, I think it's interesting that now Brad Holmes and Rand Carthon, who got their starts mm-hmm. as members of the St. Louis Rams organization, have found their way into GM roles in yeah. the NFL. And maybe they are doing something right over there. I don't know. Yeah, there were some people that knew some things some things right yeah. and and they, when they you know what was frustrating for me about the Rams when they drafted Todd Gurley and, and Aaron Donald and they left right after that's kind of frustrating that was a yeah, very frustrating was in place yeah. I know it was but you got two of the we went through years of who's this guy again what's his name mm-hmm. he played where oh cool okay 
What is it, Sean Manahem? Is that one of the quarterbacks? Uh, Sean Mannion. 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 Sean Mannion. Oh, yeah, he bounced around, too. He's, yeah. He might He's still be in the league Fourth somewhere. or fifth round draft pick. Yeah. I remember him. You yeah. know why? Because I didn't know who the hell he was when they signed him. The benefits of being 6'3", <laughs> 220 pounds in the NFL. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Uh, the only other thing I, I had for rock and roll today was uh, we we mentioned Nikola Jokic in the fight earlier, so I wanted to bring this up. Which oh, is, is shocker! Nikola Jokic <laughs> is brought up on the opening drive. Basketball hot huh. takes huh. from a hot studio. I'm just it is yeah it is, it is hot takes from a hot studio. Right? <laughs> I honestly just want to get your guys' thoughts because we talked about the voter fatigue around LeBron James back in the day. May, you know, some could argue there was voter fatigue around some other players, maybe Tim Duncan, maybe Kobe Bryant. However, you want to argue it, but. Do you think anything should be taken into account when it comes to things like MVP voting outside of just the one year you're talking about? Because a lot of people start grading this year because it would be the third one and say, well, you, you knocked Jokic back a little bit. You know what I liked um, the, the NFL did this year? They had a NFL players pro bowl, uh, all pro vote, where it was just the players that voted on it and those were the guys that made the selection. I, I'm all for writers and, and media personnel being able to vote on, um, you know, different awards. But I truly feel like the the players and the coaches in that league need to have a say so as well, because they're actually the ones that are preparing for those players every single night. And they can tell you better than you or I sitting here watching a game. Who are the players that, that give them stress, you know, the night before the games? That, that would be my I, I would love to have those people, players and coaches, assisting with some of those awards and, and, and all of those. Hall of Fame, Agreed. you know, MVPs, all pros, you know, all of those things. First ballot, it, just all of it. It would be, it would be, I think that would be important. Pretty much before the mid before the late 70s, it was, uh, the MVP was given out from a, fan, from a player vote. Wow. And I, I, I listen. I think I like the media having some opinion, but I think you should. It should be a graded, weighted thing where he, play, fa, a fan of play, uh, a media vote and a player vote both get put into the same thing. You spit out a con, you know a, you know kind of a, a one consensus winner, and you go from there. That's I think the best way. He, to do here's it. why you can't solely let players vote because I remember when we were in, in when I was in Atlanta, my my rookie year, and we were going through the Pro Bowl voting, and Warwick Dunn met, was adamant about this. Hey. Vote for the correct person. Do not do, because what will happen is if you have Warwick Dunn as the running back, uh, you would pick someone on the list that is not going to get any votes for running back so that your guy could get in. And Warwick was adamant about it. You have to vote for, he said, do it the right way. Vote for the correct person, the correct person for that position. Don't vote for the lesser person. So, you know, the the, the person that is competing with your guy gets uh gets the same amount of votes or doesn't get those votes. Vote for the right person. And I thought that was that was very important that he said that, you know, to the team, to our running back room, he was adamant about that. Vote for who is supposed to be there, not for who you want to be there by voting for a lesser guy. Would you trust Kyler Murray's vote for MVP? He would vote for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray strikes me as the guy. I'm not exaggerating. Who is the best guy on Madden? He would strike me. Well, Kyler strikes me as a guy. And I I don't know. I've heard stories. I I know people that coached (laughs) him and and played with him. I've heard... Kyler strikes me as the guy that would be a write-in vote for quarterback, running back, receiver. Like he would yeah, write right, his right. own. But here's the thing. <laughs> Kerry, you, you've been in locker rooms. Yep. You, you know Damn, way more Kerry. intimately than me. But I ran into so many players in covering the NFL for a lot of years that said, yeah, I, I, I'm really not a football fan. I'm, oh, yeah. You, know, you would be – listen, if fans knew how many people – 
were professional athletes that didn't know the nuances of professional uh, of their particular mm-hmm. sport, they would be so distraught and so frustrated. There are people that don't watch football that are some of the best football players you will ever see. They don't. They couldn't tell you the history of the game. They couldn't tell you who played before them. Who? who what's that guy's name? Lawrence? Mm-hmm. Who? Lawrence Taylor? No, 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 Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, he's the greatest defensive player yeah. ever lived. Play for. Giants? Maybe I've seen. Oh, you know, I watched a YouTube video of him breaking a guy's leg. Like that that would be yeah, right. the extent yeah. of their knowledge yep. of some players. And it would if it's like kind of learning how the sausage is made, you would be you'd be a little frustrated learning yeah. that. I'd go in after a Sunday night game and say to how about that game last night? They'd say, Man, what game? Who played? <laughs> <laughs> well that well, I would say that's different because I generally was locked in on our schedule. Like That's even now, right. I don't That's even know point. as a coach if you were to ask me, you know, week one, who you guys play week four? Oh, hell of I know. I know who we got today, and I know who I got tomorrow next week. That's right. I, and the focus I, is so great on your seventeen <laughs> opponents that if a guy's playing in Minnesota and you don't play that, Minnesota, you never see him. That's not my concern at yeah, all. Yeah, right. Least surprising thing about this segment is that Kerry has a story where Wark Dunn is an incredible guy. Wark the Dunn most is, surprising part about this is that Randy Carricker accused me of favoring. The number one in the West, Denver Nuggets. That's I feel like that's a ridiculous You're statement. You're a Cronky fan. It doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch in this edition of the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Okay, take it away, Cronky. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Coming up on the 29th, don't forget about 101 ESPN's championship bash. It's at Helen Fitzgerald's. You can join the 101 ESPN crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Ellisville for the AFC and NFC championship games. Tons of TVs to watch the games. Great food and drink. The bash kicks off with a live pregame show at 11. We hope to see you next Sunday. That's the 29th at Helen Fitzgerald's for 101 ESPN's championship bash brought to you by Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor. Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. And our friends in the fast lane are giving away tickets. This is right up Jamie Rivers Alley. It's a chance to win a pair of tickets to Metallica. So tune in this afternoon for the fast lane so that uh, you can check out Metallica. Do some headbagging with nice. with Jamie. Very nice. Yeah, be I good. No, if I know a Metallica song, maybe if I heard it. Oh yeah, you you've heard sure Metallica heard songs, especially being a football. Know. Yeah, especially being a professional athlete, you've heard yeah. Metallica songs in stadiums. Don't know and stuff which, you didn't know which Metallica. one it is. Yeah. Even though it would not be good for us, because we like success, but I would be really intrigued to see what would happen if the Cardinals would act like their market size for three or four years. Hmm. <laughs> what, what, uh, what do you mean by market that, Randy? Si- wait, market size sans a billionaire flies in here and decides I want to spend... Yeah, I, I mean, the, the closest markets to St. Louis are... Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. What would happen if the Cardinals acted like those franchises for, for five three years? years, three or five years? Yeah. Oh, it would be an upheaval. It would be, it would be people running around like their hair is on fire. I would think the BFIB would not exist anymore. They wouldn't be the best fans in baseball. No, I don't think Man, so. Second best, second BFIB, a tenth best. Yeah. Ten. I think it would look a lot like yeah. Cleveland does and Pittsburgh does. What about Cincinnati? Because Cincinnati looks like a uh, ghost Cincinnati town. does. Cincinnati used to be a great baseball town. It did. And they hit a lot of stars. And then they just quit trying. Hmm. I think it's kind of disingenuous. And I know people will say that, oh, Randy, you're on the payroll. 
Well, the thing is, uh, this is my opinion. I think having people like Goldschmidt and Arenado and Adam Wainwright and bringing uh, pools back last year, I thought that was cool. I like that. And I know there are people that would prefer that the Cardinals crash and tank and see if they can rebuild it that way or get a new ownership like the Pittsburgh or Cincinnati ownerships. By, by the way, the Cincinnati owner used to be a member of the Cardinal ownership group, Bob Castellini, and he left to join the Reds. I think sometimes you got to be careful of what you wish for. Yeah, yeah, you do. I, I, I just think it's the fans are, are very... You know, we're wishful thinkers. Yeah, well, I was going to say wishful thinkers, but hey, spoiled is also another word you can use. It they mm-hmm. are they are excited. You know, they are we are the mob. I say we because I am a rabid mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals fan, and I foam at the mouth every now and then when I don't get my way or win championships. Mm-hmm. I, I am one of them. We are we are one of a, one of a kind. We are we are all the same, Randy, and and we want to win championships year in and year out. And to do that, sometimes you got to spend a little money. You got to open up the pocketbook. If you think you're mad, I wonder what Dodger, well, Dodger, Dodger fans are kind of laid back, but I wonder what they're thinking this year. Hmm. It's been eh, probably frustration. Justin Turner left, right? You, yeah. You, I mean, what are you what are you looking at there? I mean, who's going to play shortstop for you? You didn't replace Trey Turner, mm-hmm. so you're going to have Gavin Lux at shortstop. Going to have a rookie at third base. You got Mookie Betts and you got Freddie Freeman, but it's going to be an interesting year for the Dodgers, too. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw. Enter Sandman. I do know that one. That's Metallica, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I was, uh, Met- Metallica showed up because they did the, in- the, the that was the walk in music yeah. for Rivera. Yeah, I, he wasn't I even a fan one. of them. Really? Yeah. They, He's but, a fan but, of the song. Yeah, they or, performed live. That's awesome. At uh, his closing. Game. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Oh, by the way, can I remind you guys that uh, in the last game of the regular season, the Washington Commanders beat Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, who were trying to win 26 6? They did. Randy, how, yeah, are you saying the Cowboys? Cowboys? How about them? Randy, do you usually apologize to teams when you. Your analysis is slightly off. No, well, yeah. and I hate the Cowboys. They suck, and their owner sucks. <laughs> uh, Wasn't really trying to give you the runway for that comment. But yeah, there, sure. there you have it. Now what? <laughs> yeah. CD, this was fun. There we go. Uh, T-Mac and Ajax coming up. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.